<laughs> Rob Van Dam, listening to True Hill Heat. Pow. <laughs> This is Dan Housey here, very nice, very evil. You are watching True Heel Heat. Probably should have had MJF do this, but here we are. It's Saturday morning, and you know what that means. It's time for some True Heel Heat. Not as busy and as crazy as last week with the brawl out fallout that we discussed, but we got more fallout from the brawl, brawl from AEW all outs post media scrum uh, post show. Uh, we also are going to discuss the Young Bucks sending out feelers to WWE. The PWI 500 dropped this week, a whole slate of shows, and of course, the best matches of the week from each of our hosts, special guests as well today so let's hit the intro and get to it hello 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 it is me it is me your true hill phenom sp3 we are live on the true hill heat youtube and twitter for true hill heat 193 super feeler party discussing the latest wrestling news including the young bucks reportedly sending out feelers to wwe logan paul challenging roman reigns for crown jewel in november recap of the shows from the week with aew dynamite featuring the go home to grand slam aew rampage wwe smackdown raw nxt 2.0's one year anniversary with the reveal of a new logo and the return of black and gold and impact on access tv as well as each host will give their match of the week plus more i am not here with the beautiful the lovely miss chrissy love shout outs to her she had a family emergency last minute check out so we wish her well and the family well on everything but we got the last minute sub and we got the six man of the year for the true hill heat youtube channel and the flagship show he is the true jaw josh i mean technically i'm beautiful too just so you know this this is true this is true you you are lovely as well how are you feeling today josh <laughs> i'm doing good <laughs> <laughs> great to have you and we have a special guest with us today he is a wrestling podcaster writer blogger extraordinaire he is also the co-host of wrestling's unplugged and undeniable jesse what's going on good brother life is good bald is beautiful as you can see so <laughs> you always remember that fact and i'm thrilled to be here on a youtube screen here saturday morning with all the true heel listeners appreciate you all having me appreciate you coming on i try my best with the intro to let the people know everything you're doing in this wrestling media landscape but please let the people know yourself what you got going on what brings you to the show and what is your connection to this wrestling media world Ooh, where do we begin so wrestling's <laughs> unplugged and undeniable Google, Apple, Spotify is where you can find it. That's where I currently wrote, or I wrote for Daily, Daily DDT at one point. Just recently became a writer at SE Scoops. This is as of 24 hours ago, so you will expect some things will be con contributing there. Looking forward to it with uh, Ryan Drosty of Top Rope Nation, who's leading parts of that empire at SE Scoops. And I'll tell a quick 30-second story of how I met Mr. SP3. If everybody remembers the Minneapolis dinner incident at Full Gear in 2021, 
I so happened to walk in, I think, three minutes after the picture was taken. I think I met you maybe 10 minutes after the fact and had no idea that that thing was going to go viral and the incident was just going to be all over social media. That was an interesting time. And it, all it looked like was an innocent dinner party. You could probably go into a little bit more about that, Sid. Uh, you know, when, when people have friends in, in this wrestling world and other people don't have friends, when you take a picture with your friends before a wrestling show, it becomes a big thing. It becomes viral. I, I'm mad that you didn't come a few minutes earlier. You could have been a part of the picture and been harassed for having a, a nice meal with a bunch of good wrestling fans. You want to know something? I was at the bar waiting for my friend to get there. So my assumption is I was already there when this picture went down. You all had a lovely dinner. That establishment's pretty solid in downtown Minneapolis. Yeah, there, that's about where I'm going to go from there. And then one last thing about my podcast as well before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show. I've had quite a few phenomenal guest hosts. You two will be on here very, very soon. We'll be, we'll be DMing as well. I've had the likes of John Alba, Kate Hensler, interviewed Shane Taylor, Danny, La Danny Limelight um, amongst it. So again, Google, Apple, Spotify is where you can find Wrestling's Unplugged and Undeniable. Yes, definitely check out Jesse. He's doing good stuff over there. And definitely you'll see some true heel heat over on their screens. But you're here for the flagship podcast, here to talk about the week in wrestling. And we appreciate you coming to us every Saturday, 11.05 a.m. Eastern time. So we appreciate you. Show your appreciation back by dropping the thumbs up on this video. Share this video with all your wrestling fans, friends, and family on all your favorite social media platforms. If you are new to the True Hill Heat YouTube channel, Channel, hit that subscribe button hit the bell to stay notified for all the great content here been hitting big numbers on the youtube channel trying to hit 3k before the end of the year so just a couple of months to go and we have also hit a nice little streak on our flagship podcast here at a thousand views over the last eight weeks so keep it coming share it with their friend and tell them about true hill heat every single saturday and why? Because we are interactive. We want to hear from all of you. We're going to try to highlight as many of your comments as possible. But the best way to show to show your comment on screen and to show your appreciation for True Hill Heat is with the Super Chat donation. Any a dollar amount matters, and we will highlight it on screen here. We got CM here with us who says, a nice, calm Saturday morning. Yes, nice, calm Saturday morning. I, I, was, I was quite surprised when I was thinking about the weekend wrestling. Uh, we had uh, Joseph with it who says, uh, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. We got the Negro Buck Nick Jackson who says, Good morning, y'all. Hope everyone is well. We got G Loke who says, True heel. Let's turn up, guys. A lot to talk about. Yes, even on the, the not so busy weeks, there still is a lot to talk about. And we got uh, Vala B who says, Is this the one where BS goes bitch mode? Yes, yes. He is talking about that, that famous Minnesota dinner, that BS, which great initials i got all yeah. upset about it because yeah bs bs all he he blocked me on twitter that was a that was a great day for me <laughs> a great day in history you got you got residual heat you got 60 six degrees of separation heat yeah he got upset because what happened was that he got upset because i posted one of his fake news and i mocked him for it and he blocked me <laughs> seems seems like bs 
get it. Uh, we also got uh, Bala B who says, 1K views for weeks. You need to do a TK-like tweet now, SP3. No, I'm doing it after 10. I'm not going to do the TK thing after a few weeks. If we get, we get three more weeks. Three more weeks of 1K, I'm going out on Twitter, and I'm going to be like, this is a great momentous momentous day, 1K views over 10 weeks. Go over and check out Servant Face in Heels on Sunday. Like, I'm going to push the next show. That's what it's all about. You, you, you hype up and praise the success of one show, hype up the other one. Smart Tony Khan tweeting uh and annika say it joshua on a on saturday let's go so people happy to see josh he people happy to see jesse the two j's here with us and we are happy <laughs> to see all of you we got to start things off with our true hill roll call shouting out our contributors on social media as well as the true hill heat youtube channel and patreon over on our facebook group page true heels our true hill trinity coming in at number three is joe bellini coming in at number two is still me stewie Pro and coming in at number one, the Negro Buck, Nick Jackson. Patreon backers, we also got Nick Jackson, Vala B, Alan Weinstein, Nick, uh, Alex McCarthy, Professor Chris, Austin K, you my boy Blue, Yachty, Robert, Steve, uh, Antoine, Fifth Generation Carney, DJ Eric, Ladarius Brown, John, aka Russell Scopes, Dan Snide, Kobe, Toy Morgan, John Paul, and Blue Eyes. And we got a super chat donation early here from Vala B. Thank you so much, Vala B, for that. Who says, all in all, when it comes to the news, it's been slow. And considering what we've been we've been through, that's great. Yes, I, I, I take the slow weeks. I take the slow weeks in stride. But we still have things to discuss, Josh and Jesse. So let's get to it with what we missed. Of course, what we missed during the week, we had... AEW Dynamite, which honestly did its best rating of 2022, its highest viewership since September 2022. Uh, September 2020, uh, September 2nd, uh, was the last time they had a rating this high. They did 1.175 million viewers, and the show featured the semifinals of the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions. First, you had John Moxley defeating Sammy Guevara in a very fun opener. You had Brian Danielson uh, defeating Chris Jericho in an excellent main event to set up Mox versus Dragon 2 for the vacant AEW World Champion. Championship next week in Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. So I know a bunch of us going to be there live. I know Josh is going to be there live. I'll be there live. And I can't wait to see the Battle of the Backpole Combat Club for the top prize in All Elite Wrestling. You also had MJF cut a terrific promo and introduce Stokely Hathaway and the firm who set their sights on gold uh, after being introduced by MJF here. You also had Swerve in Our Glory defeated Lucha Brothers in an awesome sprint to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships post-match the acclaimed made their final claim that they will win the titles at Grand Slam and he also had Serena Deeb and Dr. Britt Baker DMD beat Tony Storm and Athena in a preview of a four-way for next week's Grand Slam event post-match Jamie Hayter came out with a steel chair and attacked Tony Storm but walked out and didn't accept the apology of Britt Baker 
Jesse, what was your highlight from Dynamite this week? What I thought was a really good show to set up Grand Slam. I love that even in the roundabout way, Sid, that it's been a year since they've had this high of a rating when you had a Danielson Omega-led AEW Grand Slam in the main event of Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. That show was loaded. This show is going to be loaded coming up next week. I enjoyed a lot of this, and it's going to tie in a little bit later to what we're talking about. I would say my favorite bout was probably the main event. I don't know where this renaissance of Chris Jericho came from over the course of 2022, where he's turned back the clock with Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, Brian Danielson a couple of times. This one was definitely better than their all-out match. <laughs> Truly enjoyed that. It's weird. Chris Jericho right now is kind of living in tweener land. And the biggest reason I feel that he is is because everybody still loves his entrance music. Even though you can associate Jake Hager with him until the end of time to, to try to get that heel heat. And I don't necessarily know if that really matters. There's a section of the audience that still truly appreciates Chris Jericho as a performer, even though some people could go out of the way and call him Jan Sixico, Chris Jan Sixico. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that Danielson Jericho main event was phenomenal. And we're looking forward, like you said, that Blackpool, Blackpool Combat Club main event next week. That excites me a lot. I, I'm, one last thing as well. Obviously, the opener was very, very good. The women's the women's four ways going to be set up as well for next week. You got Jamie Hayter going to be, we assume, awaiting the winner of this match. We have the acclaimed that are just sitting in that background, getting ready to we feel take over and win this title next week. I loved the Swervely Lucha Bros match. It was quick. Eight to ten minutes served that nice little, not necessarily a breather. It was just like you blink and you miss it. But that's just the, the fast pace that I truly enjoy. The whole buffet of AEW Dynamite was exactly the tempo that I like it as. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well. Josh, what about you? How did you enjoy AEW Dynamite? Watching it here live on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. Um, I mean, for me, it was, uh, I don't know. It felt kind of down for me. But... Part of it, too, is because I know they're leading up to a Grand Slam. So sometimes you need to do that. You need to have those down shows. So then you can have your big show. And I think that's, you know, this is the case for, for Wednesday. Um, but besides that, I mean, I mean, it wasn't a bad show. I mean, it wasn't great, but it definitely wasn't bad, to say the least. Um, but besides that, I mean, I mean, because the best part of the watch along was, you know, uh, super guy JJ doing his one chip challenge, but you know that that didn't end up well for him on on li on on the stream live. But um, no, but besides that, I mean, there was three great matches. You know, three great matches. Uh, the main event was really good. Um, I thought their match was better on Dynamite than it was at All Out, just because um, it didn't feel slower. I felt like the one in All Out kind of felt slow at times, but. I think they're they're telling a story when it comes to like you know Jericho's wrestling, and I noticed that with, with Jericho that he's relying more on that again than he was in the past. So, and it, 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 that's been a good thing for him. So, you know, I look forward to Grand Slam. You know, I'll be there in person. So, you know, hopefully they deliver on that. Yeah, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was 
it was a maintenance show because they had to set up, uh, you know, Grand Slam. But I thought it was like Jesse said, the right type of pace to a maintenance, yeah. show, a maintenance show where it wasn't a lot of, you know, promos and squash matches. You had that on this show, but they did fill it in with really three really good matches. I thought the opener was extremely fun, just the different style of Moxley's brawling, meeting the more athletic uh, Sammy Guevara and him bringing out a little bit more aggressive side and and uh, fighting spirit from Guevara. I really enjoyed Swerving Our Glory versus the Lucha Bros. I thought that that was one hell of a, a sprint, just all action and made me want to see Swerve versus phoenix for sure and then the main event i totally agree with the both of y'all it was so much better than the all-out match the all-out match uh, you know, it had things against it. You know, you you try to have this kind of like long form technical wrestling 20 minute bout in the fourth hour of a five hour show. It's a lot different than being the main event on a two hour show and coming in an hour and a half into the, the broadcast. Totally different. I thought the crowd was hot and great for the matchup. I thought the technical exchange, Jericho going from the walls to uh, Brian to the LaBelle lock was great stuff. And they were a little bit more snug and they had a they cut a better pace than they did at all out so it made for a better match but all in all i thought it was great setup for grand slam can't wait to be there and can't wait i agree with uh jesse as well it's the acclaims night right it's the acclaims night i think that opens the show it's gotta be on wednesday it's, you, you it's know, gotta so be that's the, the big pop to start mm -hmm. the show yeah there's gotta be i mean and it's home field for them so imagine how it was in chicago i think it's gonna be a lot <laughs> it's gonna be worse for us for our glory on wednesday <laughs> like i i said on our review i said the only thing that i've heard from like a crowd just uh, unanimously saying this is our team. The best comparison that I have is being there live in 2016 for TakeOver Brooklyn when D DIY versus The Revival. And the fans just chose DIY on that night. And they were so mad when they lost. That's how it felt when Swerving Our Glory beat the Acclaim at All Out being there live. It makes uh, this even sweeter coming up next week, to be honest. This is... I guess DIY would actually be a great example of almost calling an audible on the fly if you were ever to do so and say, this team should go over on this night and this is the reason why, just because the Acclaim got the biggest crowd response at All Out. And that's Punk's hometown. Moxley is at the height of his popularity. So you know yeah. the crowd wants this, but now you're going to do it in, in their hometown of New York or in their home state of New York next week perfect time to crown him i agree and i think i think the the reason because we have people in the chat like uh frantic world here who says this week's aew dynamite was okay to him i still can't believe they got 1.1 uh well basically 1.2 million viewers i think it comes down to the the company doesn't have the same momentum that it did last fall but people were talking about them for, for the wrong reasons, not the reasons that they had last year when they signed Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, CM Punk just come out. They had all that type of like positive buzz, but sometimes negative buzz gets people interested, gets people watching. This is four straight weeks of them doing a million and the one common thread throughout it, you know, pre-all-out, post-all-out 
is the drama backstage, starting with the CM Punk promo on Hangman Adam Page. You know, the first week they hit a million was the big Moxley Punk Undisputed Championship match. Then you had the Go Home show that was more chatter about what was going on with Punk. You had Thunder Rosa. You had the 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 Eddie Kingston, Sammy Guevara thing. And then post All Out has been all this stuff about CM Punk and the Elite. I think that has caused people to be more interested and and want to watch AEW Dynamite. I think that's the big difference why they've done so well in the ratings. What do you think, Jesse? I'll say one thing as well. We're hitting the fall where in the summer, people are a little less apt to be watching television on the 7 o'clock at night. They're going to be out at a patio somewhere or taking a walk with their family or, hey, wrestling fans do touch grass. So we have that going on for us as well. I think that's a big reason why we're starting to see the slight rise. And another huge advantage that AEW has over the likes of the WWE is they don't compete with football on Mondays, which is something we might segue into later with uh, with Raw coming, the ratings start to drop about 300,000. That's because they have to compete with Monday Night Football. AEW has minimal opposition from a sporting perspective. You might get hit with like some political news, but Wednesdays are pretty much unopposed, and I think that's going to be a big benefit to them later. That's a great point, and it might be that people skipped out on Monday Night Raw because they were watching football, and they weren't basically worn out with wrestling. And they needed their wrestling fix and just tuned in on Wednesday. We we might see that pattern. This is just the first week, but you might see that pattern over the course of the of the season. But uh, we do have some like big news coming out of Dynamite and coming from AEW from this week. On Sunday, there was a rumor on social media that the Young Bucks have sent feelers out to the WWE, possibly going to the WWE, following the brawl at AEW All Out. The Bucks were suspended from AEW along with Kenny Omega, CM Punk, A-Steel, and others, pending an investigation, as we discussed last week. However, it was noted on this week's Wrestling Observer Radio that the Bucks have not attempted to contact WWE at all, according to sources. The rumor was said to have come from Dave Meltzer, but Meltzer said he did not report it, and it was noted that the Bucks are under contract contract to AEW until the end of 2023. Of course, their status in the company may depend on what happens with the external investigation. Then on Monday, a new report had some updates on the rumors that the Young Bucks sent out feelers to people in WWE. Fightful Select reported that the rumor has been floating around since August, with one source saying that they've been sworn to that the Bucks asked to speak with someone in WWE management, though Fightful has been unable to confirm that. Meanwhile, sources close to the Young Bucks said they haven't been given that indication at all, and that particular course would likely be in a good position to relay that information, noting that they aren't sure who the Bucks would even reach out to in WWE. One source in WWE that has worked with higher-ups note that they have heard the rumor, but hadn't asked people of importance with WWE, as they wouldn't be sure how that would be received. They did remind uh, the site that the Young Bucks nearly signed with WWE before they helped launch AEW and believes they wouldn't need to gauge interest. If the rumor is true, they would likely be checking on some other, uh, other situations related to possible free agency. 
Dave Meltzer reported additional uh, details on the situation on Tuesday's Wrestling Observer Radio. According to Meltzer, the Young Bucks have denied sending out feelers to WWE. Additionally, Meltzer noted that the Bucks previously already negotiated with Triple H in 2018 before ultimately signing with AEW. So if they wanted to get in touch with him, they wouldn't need an intermediary uh, to get through to him. Meltzer added that the Jacksons normally talk to people who are in WWE and said that's not unusual. It was noted that if they wanted to get in touch with Triple H, they wouldn't need uh, anyone to get there. They would know how to contact them himself. Uh, furthermore, while they are in contact with people who are in WWE, it's not anything out of the ordinary. And then on Thursday's Wrestling Observer Radio, it was noted that the person the Bucks talk with, who they likely talk to frequently, said they didn't ask to speak with management or anything like that. In the latest update, Dave Meltzer reported that the Young Bucks did call a friend in WWE a few months ago, way before All Out, but stories about the call were exaggerated. Basically, using this news of all the fallout from All Out to, to kind of of take advantage of it but sometimes they say where there's smoke where there's smoke there is usually a fire josh what do you think about the validity of this rumor of the young bucks sending out feelers to wwe and the likelihood of the young bucks going to wwe um i don't know i really don't i don't 100 percent believe it just because um we we know how they are we we know how the young bucks are when it comes to stuff like that but then also, like you said, they don't they don't need to try hard to talk to certain people within the company. I mean, they have Cody that's there. That's the biggest name they talk to. And then Triple H, like you said, when it when it comes to the situation with Triple H, um, they had three different negotiations with Triple H. So they know him well enough to even reach out to him when it when it comes to that. Um, as for them possibly going to WWE, I mean I think with everything that's been going on, but then also with them getting older, and I think they started to realize certain things. They started to realize that, you know, their wrestling career is not going to go forever. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me at this point, and they end up going to WWE um, after their contracts finish, just because, like I guess that they're getting older. They'll get paid a lot of money. And, you know, once you get to that age and you still have a young family, you know, sometimes you look out for your family first. So, and my, it, it, I think that's where that, that's going to be the biggest factor when it comes to everything. I think it's going to just come down to money. You know, if they have to do less work, they're going to take it. So, yeah. And then, yeah, that only makes sense. And that's thinking about the, you know, the long-term growth of your family. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about the rumors of the Young Bucks going to WWE? Do you, did you take it seriously when you first heard it? And what do you think about the possibility of the Young Bucks going to WWE? And do you think they would be successful? Seriously at first, no. Looking at it now, maybe. I think the gateway obviously is Cody Rhodes and not right now. The big key is going to be 2023 when Cody comes back from his injury and just to see his creative and how, how it looks. Cause I'm assuming with MJF as well in 2000 and coming into the end of 2023, a lot of these guys are going to look to see how Cody's being treated and then maybe jump ship. I, I did enjoy Josh's mention of, family that's going to be huge if you follow the young bucks closely their family is everything so AEW, in a sense has actually catered 
to their families where they work one night a week. They can fly home and then come back. With the WWE schedule, maybe we'll see... Actually, we are starting to see more uh, house shows or live events for, for them. So if they're, I guess that could be worked into their contract as well. I think the other big thing is with their egos because they definitely have them is is their creative and that's gonna have to be played into their contract one way or another i feel that just because they've been very generous since they started the company in 2019 putting over the likes of private party and then losing in this triple threat match where swerve and lee picked up the titles they they will put teams over I think they're going to want to get there is when they get there in 2024. So we're looking at like a Young Bucks Uso dream match that people talk about a lot. There could be some some kind of fight back to where, okay, the Usos are going to be, maybe for example, let's say they have a two out of three and the Usos are going to go over two out of three. Or they sweep them. I just kind of have that Vince McMahon mentality of if you've been with the WWE since the very beginning, we're going to put you over first and then you know, the, the rest of you are going to be fighting for scraps. So that's why I said, tying it all back together, the way that Cody Rhodes is being portrayed in 2023, I think is going to play a huge role because the Young Bucks, they have money. They're going to be fine. 50-50, uh, actually, no, I'm going to go 60-40 that they stay in AEW as of this as of this. Yeah, point. yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, I would go. I would go seventy-five twenty-five. I think that it's more of a chance than anyone thought a year ago, mainly because of the Cody factor. Uh, you also, I don't think you mentioned uh, Kevin Owens is a very close friend with friend of theirs as well. Finn Balor, AJ Styles. So they got a bunch of people. We don't know if the Good Brothers might be heading back over there. So there's a bunch of people in WWE that could be pulling at them being like, hey, you know, you can go back to AEW yeah. where you pretty much done everything. Uh, you know, you were EVPs before. Maybe if you come back after your suspension, they might take that title away from you. So you're making different stuff. You're not getting healthcare anymore. Why not make as much money as possible come to WWE for three years and then you could go end your career in AEW if you want, but uh, to just take this three-year deal and shut up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, saying that, but then also, um, from, from what I remember, too, um, when, when, they, when they negotiated, I know WWE was willing to throw, like, a lot at them, not only money-wise, but, like, as in, like, their contract structure. So I know one of the, I think one of the negotiations, I think the first time, was that they had a set not a set deal, but they had a deal that if they weren't happy within the six, first six months, they were allowed to get out of their contracts. So they're trying to find every way to try to get them like that. So I wonder if, that, if that's going to happen as well, where when it comes to the structure, the terms of the contract, that's what's going to sway them. And tag team wrestling. I think that's the other thing. The WWE doesn't necessarily prioritize it. And who knows? We could be looking at the street profits splitting by the time they get there. The the allure of the tag team division. And they might only have to wrestle the Usos or the New Day. We don't Again, we don't know what that tag team situation is going to look like in the next year and a half. Yeah. I, think, I think that's where people get a little bit like uh, the, the cart before the horse, basically, with any tag teams going to WWE. I saw somebody yesterday on a show I was doing suggest Aussie Open come to WWE because Triple H is a fan of tag team wrestling. But I'm like, look, if you really think about it, it's only two teams, really. It's the New Day right and now. the Usos. Like, tomorrow, most of the other teams can break up on a whim and people will say, oh, no, you're thinking about the old 
old regime. You're not thinking about this new regime. No, I am thinking about Triple H. I'm thinking about Triple H and his booking of NXT. This booking of NXT that people put up on their walls and have a long time with with some lotion and think about the black and gold era. It, it had some flaws. It wasn't perfect. It was just better than everything else we gotten from WWE in years. That's what so it is. Yeah. Glorify it on a higher level. But That's it had yeah. flaws. It had yeah. flaws. Triple H was not perfect. Tony Khan's not perfect. Gato's not perfect. Oh, none of these bookers, none of these promoters are perfect. They got flaws. So I'm just basing it on Triple H and tag team wrestling. Yeah, it had its run. It had DIY and the revival. Great rivalry. You had revival and uh, Alpha, uh, you know, American Alpha before that. Great stuff there. Then you had the Authors of Pain, and it was like. Uh, no. Uh, then you had, you had Sanity have it for a while. It was, uh, then Undisputed Era had it. They went on a great run because you had two good workers with those titles. So they went on a great run for two years and held up the tag team division. But really, it was Undisputed Era and then everybody else. So really, the, all he's really done with tag team wrestling is have like three or four good feuds in the tag team division. When you really think about the black and gold era of NXT, it didn't have like this, oh, I, I saw this feud, I saw this match, I saw this match. No, you got the DIY and Revival era, you got Revival in, in American Alpha, you got Undisputed but, Era and a whole bunch of great matches they had, Mustache Mountain, uh, Lorgan and, and Burge, and then none of the other reigns were as good as that. Like, yeah. like Raiders had a dominant reign and some good matches, but nothing special. Street yeah. Profits were champions, but nothing too special. Like, yeah. And no, it's not. And it wasn't only that. It was the fact that what benefited him more so was that he always went with the hottest team at the moment. So that benefited him. Like, you know, each each team that you just mentioned, they won it in the mo in a situation where they're at the hottest team at that moment. So that benefited him as well. Um, but everything else, yeah, you're right about. So, you know, because because we haven't seen that from WWE. We haven't seen that from the main roster. Um, you know, things you know, things usually tend to get blown out of proportion or, you know, they get over, you know, people oversell it when it comes to that. So that I could see definitely. The War Raiders in Ring of Honor in New Japan. Whoa. And then even in NXT, they were they were undefeated, I think, the entire time. Yeah. DIY ended up splitting and they ended up becoming more important as singles performers. So I guess tag team wrestling as a whole in the last I mean, maybe as long as I've been watching, there's been a premium on it. But and I've heard a lot, a couple of promoters say that at the end of the day, where the draws and the money comes from are the singles performers, where the young bucks are trying to kind of smash that myth. And they did a great job the initial stages with the Lucha Bros and even with FTR. Unfortunately, with Santana and Ortiz, they, they definitely didn't get their just due. And kind of unfortunately, with Santana lost in the shuffle, but kind of back to the WWE. I'm not necessarily sold on them putting a premium on tag team wrestling because, quite frankly, they never really have. Yeah. 
I think I think we'll get good tag team matches because you got teams like the Imperium, New Day, Uso, Street Profits. You got some really good teams on the main roster right now. So you'll get good matches, but as far as pushing it to the level that AEW has pushed their their tag team division, like AEW still hasn't main evented a pay-per-view with their tag team titles, yet it just feels like it's on such a higher level than anybody else's tag team division with like you know a good batch of teams that can go on for days and i totally agree with jesse that if the young bucks come to wwe it's not going to be the situation that it was in the beginning stages of aew where they had to get over all these different teams they had to get over private party they had to get over SCU. they had to they had to you know step aside for hangman and and Kenny. They wanted FTR to win the tag team titles first before them. They did all that stuff and then they went on their long run and they had the best AEW World Tag Team title run. But if they come to WWE, I expect in within months, within three months, they should be undisputed tag team champions. <laughs> all facts. Uh, but we got more fallout from the brawlout from All Out, uh, talking about the suspensions and more updates on that. As previously discussed, several people were suspended from AEW following a brawl between a uh, between CM Punk, A Steel, and the Elite. Of course, this came off the heels of the AEW All Out Post Media Scrum. Uh, those suspended included the Young Bucks, uh, CM Punk, Kenny Omega, Pat Buck, uh, A Steel. Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa, and Brandon Cutler. PW Insider reports that uh, Pat Buck has returned to work in his role as the AEW Vice President of Talent Development, and he was at Dynamite this week. All of the people suspended or held from TV were ordered to stay at home pending an investigation by a third party. A party legal firm. Daniels and Omega were are in uh, Japan and working on promotion for AEW Fight Forever. Daniels may also be back in his role in talent relations. CM Punk and the Young Bucks were not in Albany, and even if he wasn't suspended, CM Punk is recovering from a triceps surgery that he suffered at All Out. PW Insider has added that more details to the story about Pat Buck, specifically as it relates to Christopher Daniels and Kenny Omega. It was noted that below that uh, they were in Japan doing work for the company's video game. However, Daniels has uh, several AJPW dates announced for this weekend. So that's the main reason he's there. Omega, who visited Sega, is there on his own and not on behalf of AEW due to his suspension. He was basically pulled from the uh, promotion for AEW Fight Forever. And a new report had more people lifted from their suspension. The quartet of Michael Nakazawa, Pat Buck, Christopher Daniels, and Brandon Cutler are no longer suspended on the, uh, based on the brawl that happened following All Out. Daniels and Nakazawa are, were cleared to participate in matches at the Tokyo Gaming Show, where AEW Fight Forever uh, was having a presentation, and everyone the site spoke with said they believed that the four were only preliminary suspended as a precaution until things got settled. And the report notes that there is no timetable as of the week for the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega to return from their suspension. Omega already planned to have the week off. As always, CM Punk 
and a steals uh, statuses are unclear with Punk out with due to injury and Steel was not at Dynamite this week. The site notes that a couple of other names were nearby but not suspended with the belief is that the suspensions weren't needed as they weren't physically involved in the situation at all. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter has an interesting update on suspended wrestlers in AEW, particularly when it comes to taking outside work. Normally, wrestlers in AEW can take outside dates with approval from Tony Khan as long as they don't conflict with AEW dates. But according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, talent on suspension isn't allowed to work anywhere else. It was noted that Kenny Omega had originally been set to work the Tokyo Gaming Show to promote AEW Fight Forever while he is still in Japan for personal reasons as he did uh, take pictures with Kota Obushi during the week and actually announced that he's been scanned for the Yakuza game. He is no longer involved with the uh, AEW games promotion there. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter stated that the promoters interested in at least one if not all currently suspended talents were told that they were are not available until suspensions are over. So a lot coming out of All Out still. We'll probably be still feeling the after effects of this brawl and what happened post-show. Jesse, what was your thoughts on everything that's gone down in the last two weeks now? It's been two weeks, crazy. It's been two weeks since All Out with the fight, with the suspensions, and then this latest update with some people being lifted, but the main participants in the brawl, the Elite and CM Punk, still under suspension. That initial still shot that you had with CM Punk looked like there was a lot of uppers in that cupcake. Tony Khan looked like he hadn't slept in about 36 hours and about to perform an exorcism. Wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> that looked like a fun night. Anyways. Tony Khan, Tony Khan just before that was Let's like... Let's fucking go! <laughs> probably <laughs> this is a mess uh the minority or the the minor players in this being lifted from their suspension it really doesn't make a difference i think at this point we're, we're looking at the, the the true big players here i think it's almost a blessing in disguise that cm punk is out for seven months because of that tricep surgery this is going to give a lot of time to blow over heal and maybe even mend fences with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega if he wants to continue to stay with AEW. As for the Bucks and Omega, when they come back and just the that whole scene was just a mess. I actually remember leaving all out that night from the arena and checking Twitter and it just at the whole thing was just so explosive and i was just curious what the afterthought was going to be. And you can tell that it's still extremely explosive because Neither, you haven't heard a statement from Punk. You haven't heard a statement from the Bucks. You haven't heard a word from Omega. It's just all been status quo. Tony Khan, he didn't even reference it on the first Dynamite. So there's something a lot more serious to this than we know to believe. This is just one of those things where you have to be in a wait-and-see pattern. And obviously, we're going to see the Young Bucks and Omega first just because they're the healthiest of the four. And I, I actually really like that point with uh, Kenny was supposed to have an appearance on Swerve Strickland's podcast. And that's that's not going down either, which is extremely unfortunate. So we know that this incident is way more serious than is being led to believe. I want to hear Josh's thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah, What did you think, Josh? What do you think about this uh, latest update with Omega being pulled from the uh, Tokyo Gaming Show? 
promotion for AEW Fight Forever, as well as the uh, lifting of suspension for the minor players. Well, when it comes to Omega, um, I, I completely understand it just because, you know, he's in a situation where, you know, you have to be serious about this, you know. If you're suspending guys, you can't treat them <laughs> you can't treat them a certain way when they're suspended. So on that aspect, I, I 100% get it. Um, as for the other guys, you know, their their sus- suspensions being lifted. Um, I mean, I'm fine with it. You know, if they didn't do anything wrong in the situation, then of course, you know, you know that's that's their decision when it when it comes to that. Which from from what I understood, I think all they really did was break up the fight. I think there was initial thought that. They were also like involved, as in like, oh yeah, they went in with the young bucks. That was the initial thought. So everybody in that situation being suspended, I kind of understand why it was done because there's so much, there's so many moving parts to the situation that we still don't know. We still don't know what's the real story to this day because one story you hear, oh, they kicked in the door and CM Punk felt threatened, so he defended himself. And the other story is, oh, they just opened up the door and they wanted to have a conversation and CM Punk was being the madman, you know, it's just... (laughs) <laughs> Both uh, uh, Fightful and Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, noted that now the punk side has kind of fallen back from that kicking the door down uh, statement saying that they they barged in, uh, they, they came in unwanted, and kicking the door down was a figure of speech. I mean, the more information... I kind of figured that. that. I I, honestly, I kind of figured that. Yeah. You, you hear side, you know, you know, A, B, C of the story, you can sort of figure out D, you know, you hear side A, side B, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. In the middle of this truth from all the sides and all the reporting that we've seen over the last two weeks, it sounds like CM Punk got shook because he was the one that invited anyone who had a problem with him to come to his locker room. And then when they, when they came, he was shook, thought it was going to be a fight and threw the first punch. Yeah. I mean, that's how it comes off to me. It's, you know, like I said before, like when I spoke about it two weeks ago, the whole thing is a, it, it's a mess. I mean, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. Um, but like I said before, both, both sides were wrong either way, you know, and this is, this is a perfect example of it, you know, cause I I'm seeing, you know, when people saying like, oh yeah, punk should be fired because this, that, and the third, but at the same time, who's to say the buck shouldn't be fired, you know? And I and I like the Bucks way more than I like CM Punk, but also they're in a situation where you know they have important titles in the company. You just can't do what they did, you know. You know they pretty much, you know, it was a situation where somebody was pissed off. He blew up some steam, and then by you putting yourself in that situation, you know, going to his room, you just make the situation a, a thousand times worse by doing that you know it's just it's just a whole mess when when it comes to that um but like i said you know when when it, when it comes to that i mean both sides were wrong now you could say one side was more wrong than the other yes but i mean in a whole, like i said in the whole situation so <laughs> there were so many people that were wrong in the situation Part of me thinks, too, that there's more substance to this than Hangman Page supposedly 
throwing a real life incident into a promo. And then of course with Colt Cabana's name, be, name being thrown in there too, and hasn't been on TV. He's been in ring of honor. I was actually at the Saturday night nitro Minneapolis last week. He was there for that. So, I mean, obviously he's completely separated from the incident. I actually feel almost the worst for hangman page right now. And I think one of the biggest reasons is he's one of the few that hasn't gotten an immediate world title rematch number one and his character in in a sense is almost an afterthought at this point especially since losing to danielson in the first round of this tournament of champions so it's again the, the repercussions are not just with punk the bucks and omega it infects the entire aw roster from the top going to the bottom yeah i noticed that as well Shout-outs to Cher Delaware for giving uh, Dax Harwood a bottle, Cash Wheeler, actually, a bottle of liquor because apparently he got drunk with Hangman Page, and that's why Hangman left early, or he would have been involved in this whole situation. But I totally agree with you, though. Hangman's uh, booking has been subpar, I think, ever since he won the AEW World Championship. It 100%. added to his title reign that, you know, you didn't have that strong belief. Like, if, when you have Brian Danielson be the first challenger, you had people realistically thinking Brian Danielson was going to beat him. But once that feud was over, his presence on the show got lesser and lesser and lesser. And now that he doesn't have the championship, he's not there at all. And I, I tend to think that Punk getting upset pre double or nothing has led to what's happened to hangman pages booking since he lost the world title i think it has something to do with it i would love to see what's in cm punk's contract because i know there's kind of some whispers as well that his creative control might be higher than almost anybody's in the entire company and that could be part of the reason why hangman never really got his rematch and then of course he was triggered by that promo that happened right before double or nothing and then he just went into business for himself and called him out on the 17th of august in west virginia so yeah i'm again punk probably has a little bit more power than we're all kind of thinking at the moment yeah i i, I don't take too much into account as far as hangman not getting a shot at the championship because before hangman the only aew world champion that ever got a rematch for the title was moxley jericho didn't get a, a rematch until two years later uh omega's not got a rematch yet so hangman not getting a rematch did, wasn't that big of a deal i think it was more of a bigger deal that he was basically not existent at all like you thought he was not existent when he had the title oh no he's not existent now that he doesn't have the championship so hopefully you know had a great match with danielson last week hopefully you know I, i'm what i'm hoping from all this bad publicity that aew is doing is that they're able to turn the tide and put some of that bad publicity onto television and make it good publicity because I feel that is the number one reason why they have been over a million for four straight weeks. I think the drama has drawn people in and they want to see if they want to see it, even if they want to, you know, root for it to secede or they want to see it if they're rooting for it to fail and they want to see the final days of AEW. Either way, it's working for them. And I'm just hoping they can yeah. turn everything around and, and give me a CM Punk and Kenny Omega feud on TV. That's the biggest thing they could give us right now. Yeah, but then also um their shows have been great. You know, they haven't yeah, had a too. bad show. That helps the, that helps it too. Like having all this drama 
and your show actually being great, that helps them as well. Because imagine if they're having all this drama and the shows were bad, the drama would be to blame for that, for, for, all, for all of that. A lot more continuity in the booking without the backstage drama. I think that's been one of the biggest reasons, as you alluded to, Josh, as to why the consistency of the programming has gone up a little bit over the last three weeks. Totally agree with both of you guys. We got a couple of super chat donations here. Keep those coming in. Those help out the channel so, so much. And it makes sure we highlight your comment on screen like Chase Oliver here with the $10 super chat donation. Thank you so much, Chase. Appreciate it. Good brother. Who says, we who you guys trust to have your back between Michael Nakazawa, uh, Pat Buck, and Brandon Cutler in, a, in the fight? Jesse? By default, Pat Buck. Yeah, the my, the my, comedy uh, aspect from Nakazawa and Cutler, I don't necessarily trust them. I don't think either one of them are majoring any type of black belt. You don't know. I think Michael Nakazawa just plays the bumbling idiot. I don't think he's a real one in real life. I'll go Pat Buck, though, by default. Fair. Josh? Um, uh, there's nobody on that list. I'll go with Larry the Dog. <laughs> I got Larry the dog for 300. Now I want, I, man, I, I'm just saying, you know, agree with him, hate him, love him. I don't care. I, everyone needs a friend like a steel, man. He biting motherfuckers for you. Like, let's go. Yo, that's a, like you know, it's crazy. Yo, that's the part that, that I take from all of this, right? That they, they're saying that Omega saved the dog, right? But yet <laughs> Omega got bit by a human and not the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other part of the fight. Great, great stuff by the people over at Fightful Select. Five dollars a month, great offer. But they did a complete write-up of everything, and they said the elite side still were in disbelief that Omega just went in there to save the dog and got bit by a human. <laughs> great stuff. You can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ballaby with a super chat donation. Thank you, good brother. Saying my hope is that. Punk and the Elite do apologize to the talent and everyone backstage and work towards rebuilding trust with all the talent. Totally agree with you there. They, they need more harmony and good vibes. Apparently, they've been feeling that as of late, but we have more to talk about with Kenny Omega when we get to the news rundown of why some people backstage might not like Kenny for other reasons. We will get to that for sure, but thank you for the Super Chat donation. Vala B, Alan Weinstein, ALW with the Super Chat donation and he says so tired of punk drama never happy someone is hurt uh never happy someone is hurt but glad he is not going to be on tv for a while do you think it is a benefit or a hindrance that punk is going to be out for so long jesse a benefit i think it's going to put more of a focus on the world championship because we mentioned hangman playing second fiddle and who did he play second fiddle to cm punk MJF. That was way bigger than anything Hangman had going on. Hangman Adam Cole. I like it, 
but you give me Punk MJF in such a heated and very invested storyline in the Blackpool Combat Club forming from a Danielson Moxley kind of one month program that led into that. We wanted to see that more than we wanted to see Hangman Page's world title run. So I truly believe that if you can get order restored, put the emphasis on the championship and start building up your mid card, I think that's kind of lost in the shuffle. Separate a couple of those upper mid cards and get them to the main event level. So when guys like Punk and Omega come back from injury, they're going to have new fresh opponents too. That's something that's kind of lost in the shuffle is that mid card is full of about 20 to 25 guys that you need to put the rocket to at least three or four of them and get them to that main event status. Yeah, we've already been seeing it uh, lately with Darby kind of getting used more. And Darby had kind of been lost in the shuffle over the last couple of weeks. But I, so I do agree with you. What is going to help for this bloated roster we've been talking about all, all year? I think that's going to be the real benefit of Punk and the Elite being away for so long. But we got more to talk about from what we missed. Let's talk about AEW Rampage from last night. You had Samoa Joe defeat Josh Woods to retain the Ring of Honor Television World Championship in the main event. Post-match, Woods and Tony Nese jumped Joe until TN TNT champion Wardlow made the save to set up a tag team match for next week's AEW Rampage Grand Slam. Speaking of which, Darby Allin beat Matt Hardy in the opener, and then post-match, House of Black attacked Matt Hardy and challenged Darby Allin and Sting to a tag team no-DQ match for next week's Rampage. Grand Slam. You had Chris Jericho challenge Claudio Castanoli for the ROH World Title at AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Penelope Ford defeated Willow Nightingale in one-on-one competition. And you also had Eddie Kingston challenge Sammy Guevara at AEW Rampage Grand Slam next week in New York. I thought that this was the best news of the show because it shows that AEW is not going to shy away from backstage drama and they will deliver on a match that they've been teasing for so long. What did you think, Jesse? Bring it. Kingston and Guevara have been saying for a long time that Eddie Kingston needs to be thrown in that main event bubble. And I don't necessarily know if his if it's his backstage antics are the reason or just because he's so outspoken as to why he hasn't hit that main event level yet because the crowd responses that guy gets is in the top three. This is something that, I mean, he was kind of a sort of a hidden indie gem, but you're almost, you're starting to realize that it's just because of his personality and how outspoken he is, is part of the reason why maybe a lot of management has kind of had some troubles and issues kind of keeping him up here. So I'm very happy to see that this is being rejuvenated. Sammy needs something to rejuvenate his character. I don't know if it's necessarily separating him and him and Tay off screen because as soon as they went on screen both of them just went straight down and getting that uh go away heat which is something that sammy hadn't had he's such an electric performer and now everyone just wants him to go away because of the persona that he's playing i guess real quick then before we move to josh would be willow nightingale i would like to see them sign her i don't believe that there we go. Exactly. Sign no. Willow Nightingale, please. I You could totally build her up over the next six months to a year to be that performer that takes the TBS championship from, from Jade Cargill. And a big reason why is because Chris Statlander is now in the background with an injury. Who else could be a credible threat? You could maybe rebuild Athena. 
that's a possibility too. I think those are the two ladies I would like to see take that TBS title. And I guess there is one more thing. Jericho and Claudio, again, with that Jericho re- rejuvenation in 2022 from a wrestling standpoint, give me this because this is going to be a much better match than probably anything that was presented over the last eight or nine years. I believe they've battled head-to-head twice in the WWE. So if you can just give me a big Claudio win over Jericho, 15, 20-minute main event, I'm all for it. Hey, you want to get on uh, TV for Ring of Honor? A good way to do that was be putting the ROH World Championship on Chris Jericho. Just saying. Uh, that, not to say that it's a foregone conclusion Claudio's going to win, but I do agree. 2022 has been the revival of Chris Jericho. I would arguably say his three best matches in AEW have been against John Moxley at Quake by the Lake. Brian Danielson this week on Dynamite and Eddie Kingston at Revolution all this year. Uh, Josh, any thoughts on Rampage before Rampage wrap up? I know you guys are doing that later today, but any thoughts you want to let us know here? No, I mean, uh, it was a decent episode. Um, I liked some of the uh, match announcements they did. Uh, The Kingston and Guevara was really good. Um, But besides that, I mean, it was a it was a decent show. I know people are, I know uh, you, my boy Blue, said Willow was robbed. I mean, I don't know. I was fine with the win, uh, Penelope for winning. Um, I think she she needs, you know, that momentum herself because she's been there for so long. She's been there since the company started, and they haven't really done nothing for her. So, I mean, and then she's also gotten better, too. I think a lot of people haven't noticed that. She's gotten way better the last couple of years. So, I was fine with that win. Um, I think she, you know, uh, as for Claudio versus Jericho, I think that's going to be a good match as well. I did like the pro- promo exchange. Um, I think Claudio has gotten better with his with his talking. He seems a lot more comfortable now than he did in WWE talking, you know. But, uh, yeah, besides that, I mean, it's a good show. I like the match announcements and, you know, building up to that two-hour rampage next week. Eight matches on that two-hour rampage. We'll do a quick uh, rapid-fire predictions for Rampage and Dynamite Grand Slam later in the show. But we're going to talk about the other show from last night, fellas, WWE SmackDown. They had Logan Paul making his WWE return and invited Roman Reigns to a press conference today in Las Vegas, alluding to challenging Reigns for the Universal Undisputed Universal Championship. Paul Heyman made his return, along with the bloodline to interrupt. This led to Sami Zayn trying to be the voice of reason and being sucker punched by Paul before facing Ricochet in a fun opener, but lost thanks to Jay Uso getting involved, getting too emotional in the matchup. Uh, this also led to Sola Sokoa uh, taking no and claiming Jay is off his game, and he invited Sami Zayn to be in his corner, who helped Solo defeat Mad Cat Moss to retain the NXT North American Championship. Yes, the North American title is being defended on SmackDown. Uh, Bailey defeated Raquel Rodriguez. Post-match damage, damage control jumped Raquel until Shotzi made the save and turned babyface. 
Okay. And then the Brawling <laughs> Brutes beat the New Day, Imperium, and Hit Row in a super fun main event to face the Usos for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships next week on SmackDown. Really good show and a big step up from last week. Jesse, what did you think of SmackDown? And what do you think overall of the Triple H era of WWE so far? It's improved. I have said this for the last month that the WWE's product has been in the grave for a little while now from a performance perspective. And if you all are wrestling fans from the 90s, if you remember, I believe it was the Royal Rumble where the Undertaker's hand shot through the ground in the casket. That's what the main roster has done over the last month with Triple H. There is improvement. There is still kind of some weird things like you just mentioned, Shotzi turning face that kind of eh, didn't really make sense. But continuity in the storylines, where that's what's been missing is Vince McMahon pretty essentially did this by himself in terms of the booking. He would listen to some of the ideas, but you would hear reports specifically from Fightful of ripping scripts up, not knowing what's going to happen 15 to 20 minutes prior. Now you have things that are etched and sketched in place. You know what you're going to do. Logan Paul, Roman Reigns. I don't know. I, I think this is okay for a one-off. There'll be a couple of title matches for Roman Reigns leading into 2023. I guess this is fine. I, you're, you might put some more eyes on the product. It It's going to Saudi Arabia. I, I suppose, I guess from a long-term perspective, how many of those Logan Paul fans are going to be drawn to come back to the WWE product once this is over? I'm not 100% sure. Anytime you can get Ricochet on my TV, I'm all for that, please. And that match was fun. I, I do agree. I do enjoy the Sami Zayn bloodline deal. I, I think this is great. So to have some ruffles in the feathers with the Usos and Sammy, great call on that. Solo Sequoia defending the NXT North American title. I, yeah, I think I think the last time we saw something like that happen was when, speaking of Saudi Arabia, we were talking about 2019 when they were over there over over Halloween and they had to call up the almost the entire NXT roster and you got an yeah. Adam Cole Daniel Bryan main event out of thin air. Wow, how good was that? Go watch that on YouTube, by the way. If there's anything else from this show, I'm enjoying the continuity. I'm truly enjoying, I guess, this this tag team ordeal, too, where we're looking at Ridge, Holland, and I'm going to call him Pete Dunn. I, I, yeah, that, that'll be cool. That'll be a nice little one-off. Because, I mean, the Usos, if I had this title for, what, over a year now? I, yeah. I think... I don't see that rain anytime soon, especially ending to a team like Ridge, Holland, and Pete Dunn. I just not at this moment yet. Maybe we're talking about the Young Bucks in 2024. Maybe they end it. I have no idea. But yeah, that, that's my synopsis of SmackDown. Yeah, I, I like the choice of the Brawling Brutes to win because they were like the tweeners of the teams. You had two babyface duels with New Day and Hit Row. You had the heel in Imperium. Could have went with Imperium here, but I like Brawling Brutes getting something after their uh, good match with Imperium uh, the week following. And yeah, Sami Zayn in the Bloodline. I won't go as far as uh, EBB who says Bloodline and Sami story is best thing going on right now in wrestling, in my opinion. Phenomenal uh, stuff. I won't go that yeah, far saying in yeah, wrestling because you still yeah, got the Blackpool Combat Club with Moxley and Danielson doing some great work in AEW and there's other stuff in AEW as well as New Japan that I'm really enjoying right now but as far as pure entertainment storyline this is the best thing in WWE by far 
One other thing before I'm assuming Josh should talk about this too. Bailey's not a tag team champion, and if I recall, she's supposed to be exclusive to the Raw brand. So that no was no one's exclusive. One no one's exclusive. I, I didn't even I didn't even sneeze when Bailey came out because I was like, no one's been exclusive. You had KO on SmackDown. You got Sami Zayn on 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 Raw with the Bloodline. So it's like they they don't they don't matter. At least with Sami Zayn, he's connected to the Bloodline. The Bloodline can go on either show, and at least with Bailey, she's connected to the Women's Tag Team Champions. They can go on either show. So I'll accept that as the reasoning. But they don't even try to explain a reasoning anymore for that. But we do have reasoning for why we got this Logan Paul challenging of Roman Reigns, the press conference going on today. WWE Undisputed Universal Champion Roman Reigns recently joined the social media influencer and WWE star Logan Paul this week on his impulsive podcast. After the episode was released, Roman Reigns noted that he brought relevancy to Logan Paul's show, asking his advocate Paul Heyman to handle Paul. It only escalated from there, and now Triple H wants the two to settle their differences. According according to what happened after Roman Reigns left the show, Logan Paul indicated that he could beat Roman Reigns in a matchup. This led to Reigns initially uh, tweeting, I bless the world and bring the island of relevance relevancy to your show you and your boys acknowledge me and as soon as i'm gone you run your mouth wise man handle him at Heyman hustle paul Heyman responded at wwe roman reigns i am in i am in receipt of your command and i shall indeed bestow upon at logan paul the wisdom he so desperately lacks my hashtag tribal chief please consider this handled paul then responded to Heyman, writing exactly how you do you plan on handling me this led to WWE COO Triple H extending an invitation to Logan Paul for SmackDown so Reigns and Paul could handle their issues in person. And then WWE reportedly has big plans for Logan Paul as the Wrestling Observer Newsletter's uh, Dave Meltzer reported on Figure Four Online that a press conference was taking place today in Las Vegas, which will announce that Paul will face Roman Reigns at WWE Crown Jewel on November 5th. The match will headline the pay-per-view. And then ahead of Friday, SmackDown, Paul teased a massive announcement. Triple H invited Paul to, to the show, like we said before. And he appeared and he announced that the press conference was going down. But he didn't uh, come out and thoroughly say that he was challenging Roman Reigns quite yet. Josh, what do you think about Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns' main event of Sweet Saudi Bunny 8? I mean... I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> but no, um, but I I actually like the fact I, I like the fact how they played into it when it came to the podcast appearance to uh Roman Reigns feel like he got disrespected to lead up to this. I actually like that because I think what it was too is that a lot of people didn't know about it until SmackDown happened, right? So a lot of people assume like, oh, this was dirt sheets. Oh, like, you know, I don't like when news is being reported when it hasn't happened yet. But I had to tell people, I was like, yo, this all started for Roman Reigns. Like Roman Reigns is the one that pretty much initiated the challenge. Like it came from him. So it's not like there was nothing leaked. There was nothing, you know, there was nothing like rumored. It was that's this is how it started. And I actually liked the fact that they did that. Um 
I mean, honestly, the match itself, I think, I think it could be fun. You know, if Logan d- did what he did at SummerSlam, you know, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a fun match. You know, we're not looking for something that's five stars. You know, if it's passable, and WWE makes a lot of money off of it, that's all that matters to them. So, hey, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm I'm not too uh, flex over it. I think Logan Paul is talented in this, and Roman Reigns is the biggest matchup he could possibly get. But, Jesse, what do you think about them very overtly, despite him clearly having the skills of a heel on the microphone, they overtly made sure to position Logan Paul as the babyface in this feud. Do you think that's going to work? In Saudi Arabia, maybe. I do, does Saudi Arabia even know who Logan Paul is? That'll be my next question as well. I don't really know because they continuously bring back, they brought back Triple H and Shawn Michaels out of retirement. They brought back Goldberg quite a few times, so they might still be stuck in the 1999 era of professional wrestling. Logan Paul and Roman Reigns to going one-on-one with Logan Paul having one singles match in a tag team match under his belt i guess this kind of goes to show that while triple h has been doing a much better job lately of you know just making some coherence and everything makes sense there just needs to be a pecking order in the lines of the world championship picture i do agree i I think from a publicity perspective and a one-off match where we know roman's going to handle business that part will be fine I think a huge problem is Roman and Brock ran through the entire WWE male roster and over the last two years to the point where who who's left that's credible and the only person right now is sitting on the sidelines with a torn peck. So they need to find a, a, a match or two just to get to that point with Roman Reigns. And this will be just perfect for a one-off. It's in Saudi Arabia. Blood money is, as you alluded to earlier, Sid. So... It's 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 fine. I think they have they have options, honestly, now, especially with the work Triple H has just done in in just over a month. Uh, You have Kevin Owens, who they've rebuilt and got him re acclimated into the top storyline. Seth Rollins keeps reminding us that Roman Reigns, he's the only guy he hasn't beat in this 700 day reign, despite having a matchup against and Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is the biggest one. He owns a victory over Brock Lesnar to win the WWE Championship this year and didn't get beat to lose the title at Elimination Chamber and he still hasn't faced Roman Reigns when they they went 2-2 they went uh 1 and 1 in their first their first go around with each other when Lashley returned to the company so there's yeah. a there's a I feel like there is more than what they're alluding to and I understand the frustration of some fans that see Logan Paul in this situation and be like what the hell is Triple H doing like like you you say you're reshuffling the deck you're restacking the deck You've done that. It's time to now put them in a position to succeed and put them in there with Roman Reigns. Yeah, they might yeah. lose, but at least they get a main event spot. Yeah, but then also what it is too is that because because they're going with this historic reign of Roman Reigns, you know, you have to find ways to make your the challengers, you know, credible. You know, that's what they did with Drew McIntyre to the point that people actually believe Drew had a chance of beating Roman Reigns and you know, I think that's what Triple H does very well, you know, compared to Vince. You know, it would have been Vince for that match. Everything would have been flat. 
to the point that it's like there's no you don't believe anything, right? Which I'm not saying that that's what they should do with Logan Paul, you know, because this is a filler match, you know, which I'm okay with because it's going to continue his reign. But when it comes to like the guys you mentioned, like KO, Lashley, uh, Seth, the, you know, guys who haven't had that opportunity, that's the best way to do it. You just have to make your challenges more credible to the point that there's there's some, you know, there's some belief that, oh, shit, Roman Reigns could lose this title tonight. That's what he just needs to do. Lashley, yeah, I will 100% give you, Sid. That is for sure. <laughs> I, I I do agree with that. I think I honestly think he's the only one though. They have done a wonderful job with Rollins and Owens trying to rehash the characters. But in my mind, what I have is Owens losing, I believe, three consecutive times to Roman Reigns. I also have Seth Rollins losing three consecutive times to Cody Rhodes. Again, both characters are great. I just think that there still needs to be some more repackaging and and some more buildup before I can take them seriously again as main event players championship holders that is fair that is fair and speaking of championship holders and uh people that have been top stars it's that time of the year again pro wrestling illustrated dropped this week with their pwi 500 list of the best wrestlers for 2022 basically from the time period of july 1st 2021 to june 30th 2022 and to the surprise of many, or not the surprise of many, to WWE f- fans rejoicing everywhere, WWE Undisputed Universal Champion Roman Reigns took the top spot this year. This is the second time that the Tribal Chief has typed the top the PWI 500, also awarded number one in 2016, and he has taken home the number two spot in the 2021 list. But here's the top 10, and we got to have a little discussion, a little quick discussion about this, because I will I will rant first of why I'm upset about this. But number one, Roman Reigns. Number two, Kazuka Okada, the Rainmaker, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, won the G1 in this time period. CM Punk. Return to professional wrestling after seven years. Top draw for AEW, AEW World Champion during the time period. Hangman Adam Page, AEW World Champion. Classic matches, been a part of the, the some of the top drawing AEW pay-per-views. Bobby Lashley, WWE, WWE Champion during the time period. United States Champion as well, so good stuff there. Cody Rhodes, the big return to WWE at WrestleMania 38, winning the TNT Championship. Five-star matches with Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins. Great stuff there, despite the injury at the tail end of the time period. Brian Danielson came to AEW, tore it up. Five-star classics with Eddie Kingston, Minoru Suzuki, the hangman Adam Page. Uh, You know, big stuff all around. Big matches, great matches all around. Vikingo, Triple A's uh, mega, that mega champion, uh, one of the top stars in Triple H, one of the best high flyers in the world. This is where he gets a little iffy here. Big E, Big E won the Money in the Bank and the WWE Championship. Yeah. I love yeah. Big E. What the fuck though? Uh, and number ten, Jonathan Gresham, yeah. ROH I, uh, World yeah. Champion. Uh, pure champion in the same time period. Okay, fair enough. How the fuck, Jesse? 
How the fuck, Josh? How the fuck everyone watching, whether it's live, on demand, I don't care. I don't care if you're watching, you're listening on Spotify, iTunes. How the fuck did John Moxley not make this top 10 fucking list? Do you know how many times John Moxley was pinned in the time period of July 1st, 2021 to, to uh, June 30th, 2022? One. Zero! Zero. He was consistent in four different companies. All Elite Wrestling, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Game Changer Wrestling. This man premiered across the independent scene. Zero times it was been. He lost one time in a Texas death match to Lance Archer to lose the IWGP United States Champion. But he was the IWGP United States Champion in this time period. I, almost a year-long reign as GCW World Champion. AEW Interim World Champion. He won at the tail end of this, of this run. And of course, this run throughout 2022 with classic matches against Willie Yuta, against Brian Danielson, against Chris Jericho, against CM Punk, the list goes against Will Ospreay, the list goes on and on with John Moxley this year. It is blasphemous, blasphemous that John Moxley is not on this list because they, he has been a top star. Like, I know PWI 500 is keeping in the kayfabe, but even in a kayfabe sense, Moxley has been one of the top stars of AEW. Big E making this list. Like, the only thing you can say against Moxley is, oh, he missed a few months trying to get his life together. Big E's been out since March. He lost the WWE Championship in January. We really taking into account a nice little three-month reign or a three-month run of him winning Money in the Bank and then cashing it in winning the championship, and we are validating that over John Moxley's superb level of work. This is this is atrocious, Jesse. Any issues with the top ten? What do you think? That's the biggest one by a mile. I think you hit the, the hit the nail on the head with the Big E being out for as long as Moxley. For those who are saying Moxley was out for a little while, it was three months. And again, he has def- he's defended championships against a who's who that's not in the WWE. Holy, I mean, go look at that list again, please, because he's in New Japan. He's, he went through Tanahashi as well. He sits Satoshi Kojima, Minoru Suzuki, the entire AEW roster defeated Danielson. I mean, you, you name it, he's ran through them. He should be somewhere in the top five. I mean, I'm okay with Roman at one. That's fine. He hasn't lost. Cool. Okada at two. I'm, I'm okay with that as well. G1 winner had the title until Dominion, and that was a little bit after the voting period. My only other beef with this list outside of, of course, and Big E has a huge soft spot in my heart, so I definitely agree with you there. Maybe flopped it to you. The other one would be Will Ospreay. I just think the, the guy's won a ton everywhere he's been. G1 finalist, which again was a little bit after the grading period. But I would have liked to seen him somewhere in maybe in the 10 to 15 range. I've seen clips of Elio Del Vikingo. And for those who are saying that Gresham shouldn't be in the top 10, I actually am going to disagree with you. If you look at his Ring of Honor world title run after the company folded, he defended that thing everywhere. He was a poster child. It just wasn't highly publicized. So I could definitely see him 
a planting there in that bottom bottom part of, of at 10. If you want to move them down to like 11 or 12, cool, but I have no issues with pretty much the rest of that list. And, you know, you know, I, people love when I address people in the live chat, even if they didn't put, uh, you know, give us a super chat to address it. And EBB, ever since uh, Jimmy has, you know, infiltrated your mind and negatived up your mind, you've been saying a lot of stupid shit in the chat. But this might be the stupidest <laughs> shit you have said in the chat because you oh. didn't do you didn't do your research before trying to drop facts in our chat. So here we go. He says, from June last year to this year, Mox wasn't champion at all, only winning it on June 26th this year. You literally contradicted yourself in one sentence. You literally just said in this sentence, let me read it again. From June last year to June this year, Mox wasn't champion at all, only winning it on June 26th this year. Dude, I will repeat, the criteria is from July 1st, 2021 to June 30th, 2022, meaning that Moxley <laughs> won the interim world championship at the end of the fucking criteria. He was off for four months. Once again, this is why, people, you need to do your research and fact check before you comment. Type, if you think now, before you type, and research before you type. This man went out of action in October. He missed November, December, came back in January. He missed two months. Big E's been out since March. Since March. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't like to scream on this goddamn show, but do your research before you type. His opponents weren't massive wins in that time. This man beat Minoru Suzuki, Will Ospreay, put on a, a, a five-star classic, star-making performance with Will Ayuda and beat his ass. You beat JB Brian Danielson, beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you just not paying attention? That's double the amount of people you put in this comment. Do better, EBB. Like like Annika said. Like Annika said to you, baby boy, just take this L. You should have just listened. I'm I'm done now. Josh, any comments on the BWI 500? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna top that. Uh, but uh, I'm not gonna top that. But uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, when it, when it comes to Moxley not being a top 10, but Big E being number nine, I, I don't get that at all because even when he, even when Big E won the title, right? He didn't have a great title run and he also lost more as a champion than he was as a ch So when it, when it comes to that, um, I, I think that's where they're, they're, uh, when it comes to the PWI, um, for the most part, I, I agree with the list for the most part, but it's those little things. Like, I felt Moxie should have been in top 10. Uh, Osprey should have been top 10. Um, but I understand, like, Gresham being number 10, I, I understand that because, like, uh, you know, like what was said, um, he was defending the title everywhere he was going. He was defending the title. It just wasn't publicized, which doesn't mean that it's not being defended. You know what I mean? Um but when when it comes to the Moxley and Big E thing, that that yeah, that's where I think they they kind of falter at because they kind of you know the whole list is supposed to be kayfabe, right? Which I get, but they also you know county wins and losses. So by Big E winning the title, you're pretty much saying like, oh, by him winning the title, that overshadow that you know that's more than what Mox has done, which is completely false in my opinion. You know. 
you could have a great year without winning the title. Seth Rollins, the year that Seth Rollins won the PWI, he wasn't a world champion. Remind you, remember, he wasn't a world champion when he won it. So it's very possible to have a great year without a title. So I don't buy into that crap when it comes to that. Like, I understood why he was number one, because he had a ton of great matches, and he was super consistent. So that's where it comes down to. Uh, when it comes to Big E, Big E wasn't consistent. None, nothing, it wasn't his fault. You know, it, right? no fault to his own. But then also, then he had the neck injury, and then he's been out ever since, like you said, since March. He's been out for the few months. So if you're trying to use the argument of Moxley being out, but not Big E, then that's a problem right there because you're that's, that's a big contradiction right there because it's like, oh, this guy was out for this long. But then you have this guy who's been out even longer. And he's probably, you know, God forbid, his career might be over. So when it, when it comes to that. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> Big time. I had a second to think about this now. I would drop Cody down just a hair too. Malachi Black took his soul in the first couple of months of that voting period. <laughs> That's true. By the way, <laughs> like he true. was near the bottom of the barrel. And I guess on top of that, like kind of the TNT flip flop deal. We, we look at his WWE run, which he's been, I believe, undefeated since. I mean, that's fair. Maybe you could drop him down. I think looking in the top of my head now, I would probably put Moxley, uh, probably in the Lashley, Hangman, CM Punk range. You could go three to yeah. six would kind of be, you can keep Roman, you can keep Okada. That's perfectly fine. And to your point of Seth Rollins, by the way, being number one without a world title, 1997, Dean Malenko was the number one rated PWI 500 wrestler. And the only thing, I think the only two titles he held were the Cruiserweight and the United States Championship. So, I mean, yeah, kayfabe is, is one thing. Moxley's yeah, win-loss win record deserves to be up there somewhere between, I'd say, three and six. And based off of, you know, all the criteria, like it's win-loss record, your accomplishment, your status within the promotion, your level of competition against a diverse amount of competitors. No one's been more diverse with their competition than John Moxley. And he has, in fact, like that's why I said for the people in the chat, do your research before you start typing. Is he has been champion? He's been GCW world champion since the big since the almost the beginning of the criteria till now. Yeah. So just because it's yeah, not because, a world title that you follow doesn't mean it's not a world title. Because like yeah, because because even in perspective, right? If you really think about it, right? It's like it's like even if you look at Roman Reigns' current run right now, right? Um, I felt his his year his his run last year was a lot stronger than it is this year. Big part of that is because he's become more part time. But then also, if you look at some of his matches, you know, he didn't have some of the strongest matches throughout the year. You know, he had the match with Brock at WrestleMania, which wasn't a good match, in my opinion. Um, but then he kind of bounced back. You know, he had a great match with Riddle. You know, SummerSlam ended up being a surprise. You know, a lot of factors came into that, but ended up being a, a surprise. Um, his match with Drew was great. But even if you look at Roman Reigns, right, you could say like, oh, yeah, he didn't have a strong year. But when when you've been the longest reigning universal champion in their history, been champion for over two years and being the undisputed champion, that's that's why he has number one. And that's why I'm OK when it comes to that. 
So, like, that's what a lot of people had to look into as well. Like, hey, he didn't have the strongest year, but because he's been on the top, he's the top, he's the face of the company, that's why he's number one. And that's something I'm okay with. Yeah. Cena, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, I think those are some of the names that were in that voting period, too. So, yeah, I mean, again, un- undefeated for the longest time, actually since December of 2019 in my home state of yeah. Minnesota, where he lost to Baron Corbin, of all people. It's the last time that he actually had singles loss. So if you, we, we don't count house shows here. I, I, and to be honest, I think they did count house shows because there were a lot of times where he, obviously he was winning on house shows too. So that probably went into effect because his activity level, if you really want to nitpick, you could even drop Roman a couple of spots just because he wasn't as active over this voting period. But that's yeah. the thing with, with PWI is that a lot of kayfabe is in it. You're standing in the company, your accomplishments. And Roman could get, could afford to get like a 6 out of 10 in match quality because he's 10 out of 10 in all the kayfabes. Uh, exactly, yep. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. That's what it, just what it comes down to. Saying that if he was just Universal Champion and say that if the run was currently how it is now, he probably would be either 2 or 3 just because of that. But because yeah. he has that undisputed title, that puts him over the top. Exactly. Uh, but we had also what we missed this week, WWE Raw. Like you uh, teased earlier, Jesse, they did 1.7 million viewers, so down by 300,000 viewers, thanks to going up against Monday Night Football and the Emmys. Uh, the show Damn. featured Dakota Kai and EO Sky defeating uh, Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah to win the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. You also had Kevin Owens cut an amazing promo on Austin Theory team telling him to step up and got into a huge brawl with Mr. Money in the Bank. This followed Theory attacking Johnny Gargano with his Money in the Bank briefcase after Gargano beat Chad Gable in a very good TV matchup in his uh, comeback for the first time in nine months in the WWE ring. He had Bianca Belair beat Sonya Deville to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Finn Balor defeated Matt Riddle thanks to Seth Rollins getting involved and Edge beat Dominic Mysterio by disqualification when the Judgment Day interfered in the main event. Uh, any highlights or things you want to mention from Raw this week, Jesse? The tag team, women's tag team title situation and having them flip-flop that so fast was kind of, that was a head scratcher that still shows that there is still a little Vince McMahon inside of Triple H's head. I think that's really the only thing that I can strongly say wasn't the best thing on the show. Johnny Gargano, by the way, after however many months, I think you said nine of being inactive to having obviously his his son which is the biggest blessing in the world to him didn't look like he lost a beat and i mean that's probably gonna foreshadow to something later with me and because if you give me a match like that on tv with gargano and gable with the chain wrestling i'm gonna be hooked from the very beginning and just glued i'm, I'm not getting up from my seat that's the stuff i pay to see i love that otherwise the rest of it was okay i mean with like finn Finn Balor finally getting a win, which was kind of weird, but again, it helped, <laughs> right? See, again, that's kind of the man in Triple H's head deal. So, that's again, what, yo, top, like, yeah, bottom, I it's still, yeah, I mean, again, Triple H is doing a good job, but there is still some Vince McMahon inside that man's brain. I'm, I'm sorry. There's, 
there's a little Vince McMahon in all of us. Like, there's a little some shady in all of us. Um, ever, speaking of Triple H, though, since you brought him up, Jesse, ever since becoming the head of creative and talent relations for WWE, Triple H has brought back several stars to the company, including uh, Braun Strowman, Dakota Kai, Hit Row, Karrion Cross, Scarlett, and Dexter Loomis. According to the less, latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, Triple H has more surprises coming who are not people currently being talked about. No other details were given about who the surprise may be but josh who would you think name someone you could see returning to wwe that hasn't been prominent in reports as of late? um i don't i don't know how, how his uh what do you call that no compete clause is but once it's out i do see malachi black going back to wwe that's probably the main name i could say I could see going back just because, um, you know, I, I know he had his, I know he has like the, the mental issues, you know, which I, I completely don't want to take away from him when it, when it comes to that, but you know, there's a, but, uh, you know, the, the person who focuses on what you see behind the scenes, that, that part of me is kind of like, Hey, Triple H came back in power and now all of a sudden he wanted out. That's it is I'll say it, Josh. It's suspect as fuck. It's suspect as fuck. And it's like, oh, I mean, you know, hey, that's what he wanted. Hey, you know, that he's gonna get he's pretty much gonna get what he wants. I do see him going back. I think that's the main name I see going back, just because of the timing of everything, to you know, what he said, you know, timing of everything. I I see him going back. What about you, Jesse? I'm at a loss and a little confused. I think Malachi Black would probably be the only name. And what I wish that AEW would have done with him was stick to that ass-kicking gimmick as opposed to the rambling Bray Wyatt-esque promos and then all of a sudden kind of going Undertaker-ish with that character when you could have just stuck the course with the way you had gone for the first three to four months and... He'd likely be in the main event right now, in my personal opinion, with AEW if he had just stuck with that gimmick. But I really can't think of anybody else that's out there that's huge from a free agency perspective that no one's really talking about just because people are talking about Bray Wyatt. So I'm guessing that's probably going to be a foregone conclusion. But yeah, I would probably say Malachi Black, maybe. It's going to be later rather than sooner just because of the, the mental issues. But he's just going to be back with his wife. That could be another thing, too. And then maybe somebody that no one's there, talking yeah. about, I suppose. And I have no idea what his contract situation is right now is Andrade, quite possibly, just because Charlotte's there. That'd be the only one. But that, again, remains to be seen. I'm just speculating at this point. Yeah, I think those are ones to talk about. One that hasn't been talked about, that has been talking more about WWE lately, Rob Van Dam. Uh, you know, to, people tend to think about released WWE stars, but I think about also n legends because one thing Triple H has done as of late is kind of use legends in certain spots, whether it's Trish in Toronto, Edge in Toronto, Kurt Angle in Pittsburgh. He could do something like that with Rob Van Dam in, like, say, a Detroit and they, or he could just bring him in for like a short program to put over the next high flyer, whether that's a ricochet or someone like that. Yeah, with, interesting stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. With or VD, he he's in a interesting situation just because like 
when it comes to RVD, the reason why he hasn't gone back to WWE as in like, remember how he had that deal where he would wrestle for three months and then go away for a long time and then come back for a few months and then part of it too is because um, I know he suffered like a really bad concussion a couple years ago to the point that he can't I know what he lost vision in one of his one of his eyes. So he said himself during like his court hearing, like when he had like his divorce hearing, that the reason why WWE wouldn't, you know, wouldn't pretty much hire him again as an active wrestler is because the doctors won't clear him. So he won't be clear to wrestle. So that's the only thing that would be iffy when it when it comes to that. Um but then again, you know, we've seen weird stuff. You know, Corey Graves had a concussion. He was forced to retire. And then now all of a sudden he'd go wrestle again. So Danielson. Uh, <laughs> Danielson. Yeah. Yeah. So. Never yeah, so to wrestle again. Yeah. So, like, I could see that being a foregone conclusion as well. So, I mean, but yeah, like, when, when it comes to that, that would be pretty interesting just because um, when they had him last time for the Hall of Fame stuff, when they had him backstage, he was pretty entertaining. And I think him and Matt Riddle. Could have like a good program just for them, just for them being I didn't funny. Think about that, even if it's not a program, <laughs> them as a tag team would be fantastic, and that would help. That would help with, with Rob Van Dam being older in age, put him in a tag team with Riddle, where Riddle can do most of the work for him. That works. So, uh, but someone is going to be doing a little bit of work on their own now that's changed uh, his position in the company. PW Insider reports that WWE has moved Kevin Owens officially to the baby face side of their internal Raw roster this week. While Kevin Owens had already turned baby face a while ago, WWE was still <laughs> listing him as a ba- as a heel eternally until <laughs> this week, which I'm all here for Kevin Owens on the babyface side. I've been saying that just, for months. It's just funny because like I like how they push like, oh yeah, he's going back to being the prize fighter. And when he was the prize fighter, he was a heel. So having him as a prize fighter as a face is even more funny because he's so presentable. <laughs> Either way. Exactly. It's the same. It's like, hey, he, he people gonna love him, people gonna hate him. Just put him out there. Uh we got WWE NXT 2.0. For possibly the last time, we had the one-year anniversary of NXT 2.0. They did 728,000 viewers. The show features Solo Sokoa defeating Carmelo Hayes to win the NXT North American Championship. Uh, Melo was supposed to face Wes Lee based on a fan vote, but Hayes and Trick Williams attacked to take him out before Sokoa returned to answer the challenge. So now we have a SmackDown star holding the NXT North American Championship. Uh, pretty deadly beat the Creed Brothers in a steel cage match via interference from Damian Kemp to retain the NXT Tag Team Championships. Yeah, Cameron Grimes and Joe Gacy beat Tony D'Angelo and Stax, but Grimes didn't want to join the schism, so they jumped him after the matchup, and Alba, Alba Fire stepped up as the next challenger for the NXT Women's Championship with Mandy Ro- interrupting Mandy Rhodes' promo. And it appears at the end of the show, they did a a huge presentation, Shawn Michaels voiceover, because WWE has brought a new logo to NXT. No more splattering of paint. It appears as if WWE is doing away with the old logo, introducing a new one at the end of this week's show, which was the one-year anniversary of NXT 2.0, featuring a video with a voiceover from Shawn Michaels that saw the 2.0 logo turn into a new one that is 
more reminiscent of the old black and gold logo. Uh, in fairness, it's not yet clear if this is a permanent logo. Uh, as of now, the logo is unchanged on NXT Twitter account profile picture and no changes as of yet on WWE.com. But what did you think about this new logo? And has Triple H saved NXT, Jesse? Before we go to that, I'm going to go 30 seconds on RVD. Going back to that, yes, first wrestling Saturday Nitro. I was there. He actually ended up teaming with Dante Martin, by the way, in that main event. They were supposed to have a match. They ended up teaming against Sonny Kiss and Ari Davari, who is a legend with first wrestling. I believe he was their first Wrestlepalooza champion. So uh, I think him in a tag team with Riddle would be awesome. And just with the concussion and the eye issues, I mean, he's been a huge proponent of marijuana and CBD. CBD, he has his own company now. That's actually going to probably heal him. So that'd be a great possibility to see him back with the WWE. Now NXT 2.0. I feel like you're throwing, maybe uh, you're trying to dress up. I, I can't really think of the analogy right now, but NXT 1.5, you, you still have a lot of work to do just because of half of their talent's green. So I think yeah. I think what you're going to do right now is you need to, you mentioned Cameron Grimes. My goodness, would I love to see that guy maybe get a world title run with this in the NXT with NXT in the, in this brand new kind of deal. You have because Carmelo Hayes, for example, I think we're going to see him elevated to, to the top sooner rather than later as well, possibly being the guy to dethrone Braun breaker, or you bring him to the main roster, one or the other, because the, the guy in this, in the kind of Nickelodeon version of NXT doesn't really <laughs> belong there. He should be either with, the reincarnation which you're doing now or should be on the main roster as for the the last thing i'll talk about is uh i believe that's the former kaylee ray correct yep yes yes yeah i mean again if you're going to go back to this iteration of being more like your main roster i think she'd be perfect to unseat mandy rose and maybe give toxic toxic attraction maybe move them up to the wwe main roster and focus a little more on either the development of what you have down there or you can even take a star or two from raw or smackdown and bring them back down and kind of give them kind of a a nice little change of pace but it's still it's yeah again i think it it needs a serious not a serious makeover but definitely needs a makeover because again half and half you have the roster half green half half full of talent so I think it's going going to be a while to what it used to be, what it originally was set out to be in 2012, where Triple H had a handful of independent stars. He had like two to three to four handfuls of green talent. He mixed them into one and they became NXT and, you know, more independent talent was signed. They eventually came onto the WWE network. And then a year after that, they had TakeOver Brooklyn and had to fill big arenas now for TakeOvers. And that's when the waters got muddied and then instead of becoming the developmental where you get a handful of independent stars and mix them up with a crop of your young green talent they became a super indie they became ring of honor pwg on steroids in arenas and they were repeating pwg and ring of honor feuds and you know developing this uh women's division that had great workers and once in a lifetime generational talent but it became a super indie for a while and then when it went up against another super indie in aew it failed because it was a super indie in a dark warehouse in 
the CWC in full sale in a school while the the other super indie is in the arenas every week not just for takeover every single week every Wednesday they were going up against that so they looked inferior thus they had to change and revert back to what they used to be and now I think the 2.0 era the the impact of the era is that it got NXT back to where it needed to be it needs to be a developmental where you can get where you have the you know you, even the 2.0 era has a bunch of stars that you can see being successful on the main roster for a while whether it's Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Tiffany Stratton, Roxanne Perez, Cora Jade, the Toxic Attraction like they have a bunch of stars like that Carison Waller, Julius Creed, Tony D'Angelo that has that potential that they can groom and they will become stars on the main roster now and now they just have to throw some more independent stars into this mix and they would have the perfect developmental now in my opinion josh does the new the new logo uh entice you to to watch nxt uh no it doesn't um because i mean like you like they still have issues you know what i mean like like um you know when 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 the thing was when it when it came to NXT Black and Gold. What benefited them, which probably ended up hurting them, was that they signed a bunch of in- independent stars, right? Give or take. Now they're relying on people you might have not heard of beforehand, a bunch of athletes that they're relying on, people with no wrestling experience that you could definitely see. Um, but they also, a lot of them also need a lot of work, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, Braun Breaker has gotten better. You know, ever since the slip of Champa, he's gotten better. Um, he's probably the biggest name I could see being right now being their biggest star when it comes like if he if he was to go to the main roster, depending on how they use him. Um, I know there's a lot of hype with uh, Nikita Lyons, but she's she's not very good in the ring. Like every time I've seen her, she's you know, she's trying new things, but that that's also the problem, too, in general. When you try to do new things and it's not what you do, you probably shouldn't be trying to do it, especially when you're on TV, you know? And I think she falls into that category a lot, where she's trying to do something new, which you could appreciate. But if you can't pull it off, you shouldn't be doing it, you know, especially until you get it done right. But, um, yeah, that's the, that's the thing when it comes to, to NXT, like, you know... There's a lot of faces that they try to do when they were going back to that direction of, you know, having these kids learn stuff. That that was the problem because people got so used to all these big, big independent stars being in NXT that they kind of reverted back to what they want to be. So right now, I mean, any hopes to trying to hope, oh, yeah, that this goes back to being black and gold. I don't think they should put that high expectations yet on the on the new people. I don't think that's fair to them. I think that would I think that will falter their development even more. So I just think they should just focus like on what have a real game plan and then just focus on that. And then from there, if it gets great, then you move on to the next step. There's a reason they moved to Tuesday nights, by the way. Be again is because they went head to head with a super indie that destroyed them. So. I feel even I don't know if USA has some involvement in this as well, but maybe going back to an hour, kind of the less is more deal and kind of hide some of the weaknesses of, of the younger of the younger talent. 
which was something that Paul Heyman did a phenomenal job with in ECW, was kind of highlighting the strengths and really hiding the weaknesses. I think if Triple H and Shawn Michaels can accentuate the strengths of, of the greener people on the roster and really hide those weaknesses to the best of their capabilities, that this product will be a little bit, that should be better, and more people will be more apt to watch. Absolutely. Uh, the final show, what we missed during the week, Impact on Access TV. They had the Motor City Machine Guns defeat the Good Brothers in a good first time ever main event, which is possibly the last match in Impact for the Good Brothers as their contract have expired. Uh, Mickey James picked up another win to continue her last rodeo, but she was then challenged by Giselle Shaw for Victory Road, which is next Friday. The OGK defeated Josh Alexander and Rich Swan by DQ to retain the Impact World Tag Team titles thanks to interference from Heath. This sets up Honor No More versus Alexander Swan and Heath in a trios match at Victory Road. Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Masquerada Dorada, the eight, the f- artist formerly known as Graham Matalik, in a super fun opener to retain the X Division title. And it was announced that he would face Delirious for the championship at Victory Road next Friday. We'll do rapid fire uh, predictions for that card as we get into our news rundown here wwe news uh we had per the u.s sun talk among wwe bosses over visit man making a farewell appearance at next year's wrestlemania 39 event in los angeles an insider told the u.s sun vince may not be completely done with wwe there are discussions about how to pay tribute to his achievements of turning the small town wrestling biz into a global business venture fans may not always like the way he handles storylines and treated some talent but his efforts to take the sport to the to the world cannot be underestimated. His departure was pretty unceremonious uh, in terms of the business behind the scenes, but the sport is about the fans, and as controversial as it might seem, uh, there are fans who feel he deserves a send-off. Not at this moment in time, the suggestion of any celebration it seems impossible and would spark potential backlash. However, an acknowledgement of his contributions remains an active discussion among the creative team. Obviously, Vince will not wrestle again. They say obviously, like he didn't wrestle this year. But having an invitation to to WrestleMania could be a possibility. One discussion is whether it is too soon for him to be honored at the WWE Hall of Fame event the night before. Automatically, that honor would mean he would walk on stage in front of the LA fans next April. Stephanie McMahon has openly spoken about her father's legacy since his departure. And Triple H has huge respect for Vince. Josh... Any thoughts on a potential Vince McMahon tribute at next year's WrestleMania? Um, honestly, I think that would be way too soon after what we had to ordeal. That's not even a year. You know what I mean? Like, um, I guess I would be fine with it more so like a year after, maybe 2024, but depending on all this mess. Because, I mean, yes. He didn't have a proper send-off, but there's a reason why he didn't have a proper send-off, you know? You're not going to give a proper send-off to somebody that pretty much got got exposed to serious things, you know? What he did, it wasn't like minor, it's very serious what he did. So, um, when, when it comes to that, I mean, you know, if you're going to honor somebody, I, I think they should wait. I think they should hold that off for at least a, uh, another year or two. 
Um, I just think it's a little, I think it's way too soon to try to, you know, you know, I don't want to take away his accomplishments. You know, he obviously, you know, he's done a lot for the business. You know, a lot of people say, hey, if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, pro wrestling wouldn't exist today and all that stuff I get. But at the same time, you can't get passes to to just to stuff that he did and what he was pretty much outed for. So, I mean, again, I'm more so just I'm more. So, hey, if you're going to. Like I said, like if if you're gonna um, pay tribute to the guy, just wait a little bit longer. I'm not to do it less than a year. I don't. I'm not okay with that. You know, the sad reality is a lot of people in the microwave society that we live in right now in the in the 2020 decade is they're they're pro- they might even forget some of the stuff that ha- that he's all of the stuff that he's done over the course of the last 40 to 50 years in just a eight to nine month time span so if they were to just keep him off tv and put him in wrestlemania 39 that would kind of be par for the wwe course i do agree with you josh i think like wrestlemania 40 would make the most sense just because it ends in a it ends with a zero they, they tend to have a tendency to make those wrestlemania special and i mean it's going to be really really hard to celebrate him even though he has meant so much to the pro wrestling industry like you said we have a hard time kind of it's really hard to glorify him in eight to nine months as opposed to maybe even a year and eight months but again he did what he did but he's also so huge for the promotion i just think this is kind of a loose loose scenario in any way shape or form that you present him very true. They they can't win for losing when it comes to anything involving triple uh uh visit man at this. Yeah, point it's time. just yeah, and you know like like yeah, it's I I know there's a lot of fans who you know who look past it you know, but at the same time I mean again like you know when when it comes to a human level of things understanding things people have to understand what he you know what he did is fucked up. It's not like there's something you can't give a pass for, no matter what your accomplishments were. There's people who've done less and who've been canceled more for what they've done compared to like, oh yeah, let's uh, you know, let let's give Vince a pass. You know, hey, you know, happy retirement. But I'm like, you know, no, like, you know, there's consequences to certain things that you do, and he got out of it out the worst way possible, and you know, so. Well, someone like me, I can't be okay with that. You know, I, I'm not okay with yeah. celebrating somebody at least this soon. You know, I'm not okay with that. Fair. That's totally fair. Uh, Russell Vose has now taken to Twitter to report that while WWE wants to have two champions heading into WrestleMania, they don't want Roman Reigns losing a match between now and April. Uh, they quote from Russell Vos tweet said, uh, the situation with the world titles and Roman Reigns is quote unquote complex. According to a source, they would like to go into mania season and WrestleMania itself with two champions, but they also don't want Reigns losing at all prior. I'm told Triple H and company are open to all things creatively here. Per WrestlingNews.co, though, a source familiar with the creative process told them that there are still no plans for Roman Reigns to lose 
holds the the titles uh, this year. And the report noted that when Reigns won the Universal Championship in August 2020, the plan was for him to be the champion for a match against The Rock. Triple H is reportedly moving forward with the initial plan for the Reigns title reign with the idea for Reigns to walk into WrestleMania as champion. And the report also revealed that Vince McMahon's original plans called for Reigns to retain against The Rock before becoming the company's top babyface. It reportedly isn't clear whether the plan is still for Reigns to retain. So we are really getting Roman Reigns versus The Rock for the Undisputed Universal Championship. And we really are not getting the title change. I got all my hopes up for Clash of the Castle, and we're not getting a title change. Do you see an issue with this Roman Reigns uh, title situation, Jesse? That match shouldn't be for a title. And I get that they want the exclusivity of two world champions. And I think the only way that you could do it would be in a kayfabe way, similar to what you did with Bobby Lashley last year at the Elimination Chamber is like maybe you have an angle where he gets taken out and he can't defend the WWE championship. So it'll be decided elimination chamber. Then you can kind of split your ways there. Maybe Cody wins the Royal rumble and he wrestles the WWE champion over wins the elimination chamber. I think that's a good way to do it, but I would in a perfect world from a wrestling perspective, I would love to see Roman holding both championships I just wish that it would be Roman rock without the titles, but unfortunately it's not what we're going to get. And that's again, it's just to me, that's just very similar. It's kind of status quo for the WWE over the last two decades. Pretty much. Unfortunately, that is, that is so true with, with their current situation, regardless of regime. Uh, but regardless of regime, we've been seeing a lot of people return as of late. And the Wrestling Observer newsletter has a recent report talking about Bray Wyatt has indeed had talks with WWE about a possible return to the company. The talks have apparently stalled, but it's reportedly not a dead issue. Talks with companies outside of WWE have also stalled before as his axing price was above what they wanted to pay. It's believed that when he was in WWE, he was one of the highest paid wrestlers in the world with Randy Orton and Ronda Rousey behind only Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Do you think that uh, they will get over this money obstacle? And when do you see Bray Wyatt returning to WWE, if at all, Josh? Um, I think they'll... they'll... Uh, they'll eventually get over the money aspect of things. Um, as for him returning, I have no idea when because, you know, he always gives like these little cryptic messages and it seems like nothing happens after. But he teases like, oh, I'm going to return soon or, you know, in his own way and then nothing ever happens. So when it comes to him coming back, I don't know when, but I think that they'll eventually get over the, the money aspect of things. I think he'll end up being back in WWE. I would hope so. I think he's he's perfectly lined up to be a Royal Rumble return, wouldn't you think, Jesse? Yeah, that makes sense. And again, so would that be three and a half months? That that's perfect timing. Start a new year at a pretty prominent character. And I guess again, from a short term memory standpoint, we kind of hope that erases some of the the character problems that have taken place. I think it was just with his fiend character and Vince McMahon's logic. It just they didn't mesh well whatsoever. So I think there it should be a better go round for him. It's just a matter of how you repackage him. But Royal Rumble makes sense. 
Yeah, it makes the world of sense there. NXT news is uh, they're reportedly set to bring back more takeover events. The Triple H renaissance continues. The brand has been mostly having its specials as episodes of NXT over the past year, but Fightful Select reports that more will be appearing as premium live events on Peacock and WWE Network. And the site notes in specific Halloween Havoc is going to be TakeOver Halloween Havoc and is currently scheduled for October 22nd and will be a premium live event. This would be a first for the name as the past two uh halloween havocs were regular nxt specials it's it's t- takeovers coming back josh nxt is back but get on the tr- gotta get on the boat before there's no more room i'll, I'll drown i'm okay with that <laughs> i won't let you drown uh speaking of nxt news oh boy yes i'm gonna <laughs> talk about it velveteen dream uh well <laughs> He did himself no favors with his latest legal troubles. A new report confirms that WWE had no interest in bringing him back before that. The the, uh, real name Patrick Clark uh, was arrested twice in August, uh, first on August 20th, and uh, for the first degree battery trespassing on property after a warning and possession of drug paraphernalia, and then again on August 26th for possession of drug paraphernalia after admitting to cocaine use which he which violated his probation for a previous arrest according to fightful select wwe sources indicated that they had no desire to bring clark back before the arrest with one source noting that it would be a public relations nightmare that the new regime would have no interest in the site notes that by the time Clark stopped appearing on NXT, he had already had a ton of backstage heat, and even separate from that, he had become a headache, according to one NXT coach. Clark had been talked to several times about unusual behavior in general at the WWE Performance Center, and one WWE source uh, notes that uh, that works with those higher up in the company said it would be a miracle uh, for something to happen that resulted in Clark being brought back, and confirmed that there are no plans or talks about bringing him back despite his posts on social media and speaking of social media ec3 this week had an interview a pair of interviews with sports Keto wrestling among others and during the discussion he talked about how clark videotaped and took pictures of wrestlers genitals on catching uh, Velveteen Dream trying to record wrestlers, he said, and I quote, he got arrested again when he's going to get rehired, probably not if that's on his record. Plus, he has a lot of demons in the closet, or what do you mean? I'm glad you asked, why not? Because I, in NXT, there was always some speculation about him being a little off, but you're welcome to that. You could be friends. We had a party and it was at my place and he came over because I'm being friendly and I'm top guy and I tried to welcome everybody into the thing. He left his phone in my bathroom with the camera on trying to capture people taking pisses. So there. How did I know? Because it's my bathroom. When I walk in there and I see a phone selfie style propped up on filming where if somebody is going to take a pee, they would have their... uh. 
their fallers out urinating into the into the water. I'm not gonna lie to you too. This was a late evening of partying, so maybe there are a few cocktails shared. Who knows what uh, everyone else was on? As we know, if he'll do it, cocaine in front of a cop. Lord only knows what he'll do behind a cop's back. And then the former Velveteen Dream posted a new video taking aim at EC3 and denying his claims. And he said, and I quote, Okay, so let me explain something to everybody. First of all, to everyone who has sent their well wishes and their respects and their love toward me, I just want to say thank you very much because I love you and I appreciate you all. And the sport means the world to me, okay? And God knows in a, God works in amazing ways, okay? I guess since I'm on TMZ now, I'm somebody again. And EC3 has gone to the dirt sheets saying that if you haven't seen it, he had a party at his house one night. And if I'm I'm, I'm to be correct, this is about uh, 2017, 2018 EC3. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to tell people who was at the party out of respect for our mutual friends. But one of our mutual friends is a former NXT talent that no longer works for the WWE. And the other person is a current Monday Night Raw talent who used to wrestle talent for NXT. Okay, uh, Mike. EC3, you go out here after I give you the best match you've ever had in your entire life. You go out here and you, I'm tired of people throwing dirt on my name. You throw his, you throw this dirt on my name saying that I tried to record you in your bathroom. Let's be honest, Mike. You're leaving out a lot of details. What were we doing that night, Mike? What type of powder was on the table, Mike? Okay, okay. Let me let's be real and let's not leave out all the details. We were all drunk, you were pissy drunk, you were in your place, you were damn near passed out in the corner. He goes on to say, So, what did I do? I went to our mutual friend. This is after being caught uh, by EC3, apparently. He says he goes to the mutual friend, and I showed him my phone and had him go through my phones and video, my photos and videos, and my recently deleted just to prove to you and the other person that was there who, because I respect him and he has a job, okay, I'm not going to put him out there, okay? I had him to prove to you that I wasn't recording you. Cocaine is a hell of a drug, EC3. Get your shit together. And if anyone would like to go to my friend list right now and check out who follows me, because I'm not following him, EC3 is a follower of mine. I would think, I would really think that if you thought that much of me, that you couldn't trust me, you definitely wouldn't be following me on social media, on Instagram, all these years later, EC3. You're pathetic. Now control that narrative, you asshole. EC3 responded to Dream's comments saying, in life, I forgive everyone for everything that has been done to me. I personally have never failed a drug test from any employer, nor been arrested for drug uses, paraphernalia, assault, battery, or any inappropriate behavior. My forgiveness includes Patrick Clark for setting up a video recording device in the bathroom of my own. So he's sticking on this. As far as any other allegations and accusations against him, I hope that he finds the help he needs <laughs> all i want right now is eric cartman to just run up in the middle and yell cripple fight that's all we need right now with those two so i don't I know just, i just had to read the dream quote because he great. said okay okay 
Okay. Lesser of two evils, they're both evil. So we don't know who to believe. <laughs> and I don't think we necessarily care at this moment, to be honest. Uh, what do you think about all this drama, though, Jesse? <laughs> Entertaining, to say the least. I, I, I will say that. And Patrick Clark is a very good actor if he is not telling the truth because if you watch the video okay he was very convicting you didn't he was staring blankly and very matter of fact i have not seen the ec3 portion of, of this so i don't know which side i'm gonna go on but again they're both evil so just go on and try to make a name of yourself to try to reclaim 10 more minutes of fame because i don't think either one of you are going to be getting them at this point I, would, I just want a t-shirt that just says, okay, okay, Josh, okay. <laughs> that was great. It was the great, it was the greatest social media video I've seen in quite some time. Uh, final WWE news note here. Uh, Gable Stevenson was, of course, one of WWE's first major NIL signee, signees, but apparently, according to Wrestling Observer Newsletter, everything is cold on Stevenson, and while they wanted to debut him on TV some time ago, it hasn't happened because he hasn't progressed well in his training. Stevenson signed the first NIL deal with WWE in September of 2021, and has been seen a couple of times on wwe tv and was even drafted to raw last october however he hasn't been used in any major uh capacity according to wrestling observer newsletter wwe was planning on fast tracking stevenson uh after he completed his first his last wrestling season in march however he has not been around or discussed stevenson had an update uh last month noting that he's getting active in his training and the wrestling observer newsletter reports that gable stevenson is still under contract with wwe and is still training to be a wrestler for them there had been questions about his status because he is not in Orlando at the Performance Center with other prospects, but he is currently and he's not currently in the company's creative plans or on the list of talent to be used. Josh, what do you think about Gable Stevenson getting soured on in WWE? Um, I'm, I'm kind of not surprised by it, just because uh, again, with all these athletes, sometimes you just don't know what 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 you're getting, right? So when it came to, to Gable Stevenson, we know he's a great wrestler because he's a collegiate athlete. He's an All-American. But sometimes that doesn't translate to, to, to the wrestling that they do on TV. Um, but also um, to put, I mean, the comparison to like him and Kurt Angle, I don't think it was fair to him because now you're expecting way too much from the guy. Because um, from the moments that I've seen from him, honestly, I don't think the guy has a personality. That's just my opinion. You know, I have not seen that. Even um, WrestleMania, like that segment of WrestleMania after the first match, it was kind of cringing to me. Um, and that was the main thing for me, like when it, when it comes to that, like when it, when it comes to um, Gable Stevenson and the situation that he's in, you know, he's a great athlete. But does he have the charisma? Does he have that? Like, does he have the total package? And I have not seen that from him. So when it when it comes to him being, you could say he's being iced right now. I'm not really surprised by it. I just think so many people had too many hopes. And it was kind of unfair to him because you're making a comparison to, you're talking about one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So I don't think it was fair to him either way. 
Yeah, and sometimes there's very unfair uh, comparisons for people in wrestling. We've seen it with Parker Bordeaux and Brock, and now you're seeing it with Stevenson and Angle now. Exactly. Gable, I met him last November, and that's the one thing that stood out to me. And you saw it at WrestleMania, so I don't really have too much to follow up on that because the man has crazy athletic ability. I know that he could probably execute a moonsault, no problem. He's 270. He moves extremely well, so it has to be the charisma. It has to be the personality. That is probably what hasn't progressed because... The guy has a ton of athletic ability, and I, I'm pretty confident it's going to translate well in the ring. It's just a matter of his character, and I think that's probably where he's floundering. Probably so, for sure. But we got to move on to AEW news, as the Wrestling Observer Newsletter has yet more fallout from the AEW backstage drama. Uh, they're reporting that a rumor going around about something Kenny Omega said during an AEW talent meeting a month ago. The speech was described as tough love and a pep talk, but one line in particular rubbed some talents the wrong way. At one point, Omega said the that 8 out of 10 people on the roster, he wouldn't have even hired. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter notes that Omega did say this. One source said that Omega was joking and said he was joking as he was messing with Will Ospreay, who he looked at when he said it, and many uh, were said to have laughed about it. However, there were others that took it seriously and got upset. Several people said that it was totally misinterpreted and taken out of context, but it still bothered some people. Omega also said that the energy and vibe of the locker room were more positive than when AEW started and likely wanting to recreate that with the current roster. Josh, what do you think about what Omega said, and do you think it's just a misunderstanding? Uh, I think it's a misunderstanding. I, I, you know, I, you know, knowing how Omega is, you know, he usually when he, when he does like these. Sometimes when he says certain things or like when he does interviews, he tends to like, you know, go kayfabe with it. So I think that's what it was. Um, on the other hand, I can't blame for some people if they took it the wrong way. You know, unfortunately, that's what happens. Sometimes a joke could land. Sometimes for some people, it doesn't. It's just this unfortunate situation. But I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I certainly don't either. Uh, but we have news about more returns. Not Kenny Omega, but another return that hasn't been talked about in a while. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that Jeff Hardy is expected to finish his rehab program soon. He would then be able to return to the ring. Hardy previously pleaded not guilty to the charges of uh, D his DUI arrest from this past June. And we'll have a pretrial hearing over the matter next month. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about Jeff Hardy possibly returning Matt Hardy on the extreme life of Matt Hardy teasing that we would see a new Jeff Hardy upon his return? He's on life number 14 right now. So it's really hard to resurrect some of the troubles that he's gone through and he's gone through rehab multiple times. It's going to be... I don't necessarily know also if I want to see a different character from Jeff Hardy right now with AEW's roster being so loaded. It's just going to get lost in the shuffle. I, I'm, I'm very indifferent on it. So I guess my answer would be to 
keep him off TV. And the one thing that I really hope for is that he just continues to stay on the straight and narrow once he completes rehab and he's ready to go. Life is way more important in the grand scheme of things as opposed to the pro wrestling aspect for Jeff Hardy at this moment. So I kind of just want him to just stay in the background. Yeah, we got uh, Negro Buck Nick Jackson who kind of echoes that. I think uh, Jeff needs to take more time away. Annika adding no more ladder matches for the first six months. Yeah, yeah. I would hope. I would hope. I would hope so. Uh, there are. There was also a interesting rumor that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, the TV partner of All Elite Wrestling, could possibly uh, merge with NBC Universal, the the TV partner of WWE under the USA Network. So, if the merger would happen, it would happen in 2024, and then AEW and and uh, WWE would have the same television partner. What do you think about that possibility and the timing of it with uh, WWE and AEW looking for new TV contracts in 2024 as well, Josh? Um, that'd be interesting as fuck because it's uh, I mean, because like I mean, because with the whole merger that has been going on now, I mean that's been confusing as hell. So because there's there's stuff that they eliminated already when it comes to their content. So for them to do that all over again, what, in the next two years, possibly, it's just, it's bizarre just to try to understand everything. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's tough to get your head around, especially with WBD and their craziness at the moment. Uh, in another an interesting uh, social media exchange between wrestlers, the Forbidden Door was open between AEW and WWE as they had a back and forth a battle of words online between Sheamus and Maxwell Jacob Freeman, A&JF, about the important topic of heels wearing scarves. The whole thing began when Sheamus posted to Twitter to tell Happy Corbin that real heels wear scarves, leading to a response from the famously scarf-wearing MJF. MJF called the WWE stars post sad, which led to Sheamus sharing the Conor McGregor gif meme where the UFC fighter proclaimed, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, MJF responded, and I quote, saying, the guy you alluded to, stop now or I'm going to devour you. You can ro rock six inch lifts and play top guy, but you've been handed the ball multiple times and fell. I'm glad you're having a renaissance and finally figured out how to get over. It only took you a decade. Took me a day. Uh, Sheamus then shared a shot of Chris Jericho in a scarf, which led to another MJF reply where he said, Yes, you were definitely referring to a guy who wore a scarf back in 2016. You got me. Can't wait for my boy at Baron Corbin WWE to end you. Uh, this is like a 10-8 round for MJF, isn't it? This, to me, is Eminem versus Everlast in a battle on Twitter. <laughs> you, you, Seamus, you barked up the wrong tree on this one. I'm sorry. You you could have picked a fight with anyone in AEW verbally, but you, you win against MJF, and that is... Again, I think if we are going to use a, a CM Punk quote here, MJF could just say, tell me when I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but then, but then also, when the hell did Seamus started using like Twitter or something? It's just like it's weird. It's like, oh, why did this happen? Like, why did this? Happen? 
<laughs> I, th I think Team has been told by management to use Twitter more because he has been more active in the last couple of months. So, and he made the mistake. He made the mistake. Stick to the workout videos with your buddies. That is He's what kinda, you excel at. And MJF is kind of right. MJF. He's kind of right with what he said, which I don't want to say, hey, that was a little, but he's kind of right with what he said because there was a time where Sheamus was floundering and he was just there. You know, remember he, he beat Roman for that title and nobody cared until Roman yeah. won it back and everybody cared. So, I mean... And it took the bar to get him back on a certain level. And then after the bar ended, he was lost in the shuffle again until his recent renaissance. So pick the wrong day and the wrong guy, Seamus. 18 <laughs> seconds. He defeated Daniel Bryan, which catapulted Daniel Bryan to the top. Of the <laughs> Not <course>. him. <laughs> yes. Very true. Very true. Not him at all. But let's get some rapid fire predictions in the mix. And with our final AEW news note, it's the cards for AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, AEW Rampage Grand Slam. If you are one of our great Patreon backers at patreon.com forward slash true heel heat, you could be a part of our prediction championship where we will be getting predictions for Dynamite on Wednesday, for Rampage on Friday. So be a part of the prediction champion. $3 a month become a patreon backer but let's hear what jesse josh and myself have to say about aew grand slam uh dynamite grand slam this wednesday let's talk about that one first get everybody's predictions josh who you got aew all atlantic championship pack versus orange cassidy i'm going with pack jesse also going with pack here Unanimous for Pack all around here. AEW Interim World Women's Championship. Tony Storm versus Athena versus Britt Baker versus Serena Deeb. I'm going with Storm to retain here. Jesse? Tony Storm just makes the most sense right now. Josh? Uh, Storm is retaining. ROH World Championship up for grabs. Claudio Castanoli defends against Chris Jericho. Jesse, who you got? I can't see Claudio's first loss going against Chris Jericho, even though it would be intriguing, like somebody alluded to earlier, to see Chris Jericho with the Ring of Honor championship. I'll stick with Claudio in this one. I think Claudio just scratches by to set up a rematch, but I got Claudio here. Josh? I got Claudio. I don't see him losing the belt anytime soon. AEW World Tag Team Championships up for grabs. You got Swerving Our Glory defending against the Acclaimed. I'm going with the Acclaimed. It has to be their night, right, Josh? Yeah, it's. I think it's uh, pretty set in stone. It got to be. If it's not, then uh, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen that night. Jesse? You're not going to leave the two biggest United States markets angry after a match. And specifically with these two teams, you got to go the acclaimed here and strike while the iron is probably at its absolute hottest. And the most interesting of the matches on either card, AEW World Championship up for grabs in the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions Finals, John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. Who you got, Jesse? Let's go Danielson so Moxley can get some much-needed vacation time that the CM Punk and the Young Bucks robbed him of. <laughs> Josh, I was actually going with Danielson too, more so for that reason. But I think uh, if if the plan is for MJF to win the title, I think Danielson could be a nice fall guy compared to Mox for that for that to happen. 
especially if they do something like Money in the Bank where MJF just cashes it in at Grand Slam, that would be very interesting too. Um, I really, I might change my mind before Wednesday, but just to be different on this show, I'm going with John Moxley. I think Moxley's promo, it kind of that would put the stamp that he's the ace of the company. AEW Rampage Grand Slam, guys. Has more matches than Dynamite. What the fuck are we doing? Uh, TBS Championship, Jade Cargill versus Damante. Jade, obviously, right? I think that's why there's more matches, because that one's going to be a squash match. Yeah, that's, def- that's definitely going to be a squash. Uh, no disqualification match, though. Buddy Matthews and Brody King of the House of Black versus Sting and Darby Allin. Who you got, Jesse? Sting and Darby oh. Fine. Yeah, yeah, you gotta go Sting and Darby here. Sting will maintain his undefeated streak in AEW. The 62-year-old Sting. Man, Josh. undefeated. I was like, yeah, because I was to say that. I'm like, Sting does not lose. Do not bet against Sting. He does not lose. I learned my lesson <laughs> after all of not betting against Sting. Um, golden ticket battle royal for AEW World Championship opportunity. I know Hangman Adam Page, the Dark Order, Andrade, Roosh are all in this matchup. Um, so it's either going to be Moxley or Danielson. I, I, I mean, if it's Moxley, I'm going with Hangman Adam Page to win this one. Give me Moxley versus Hangman on the anniversary show. Jesse, who you got? Whoa. That's mind-blowing right there. Isn't it in Roosh's creative contract for him to not lose this much? I, I, <laughs> I, let's go Roosh just to be contrarian. Give me a Danielson-Roosh match at uh, some random dynamite. I mean, I, I'd be down for that too. Roosh, give me, give me Roosh in there. I want to I see Roosh versus Hangman after that was teased as well. Josh, who you got? Uh, I think I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Hangman. I think with the... Oh, I think what you were referring to, I think that was uh, Andrade. I think that was the rumor supposedly like, oh, that he wanted like more creative control. So he wanted... He didn't want to lose as much. Supposedly, that was the rumor when it came to that. <laughs> They're brothers. I mean, hey, it's it, it stays in the family there from a creative perspective. I... It'd be weird to me to see for me to see Hangman in a one-off title match that I don't think he's going to win. So I that's the only reason I don't see him winning here. Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Uh, Action Bronson and Hook versus Two Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going with Hook. Josh, I'm a Hook and Action Bronson. That's easy. <laughs> Much like Sting, Hook does not lose either, especially in this in this scenario. So Hook and Bronson. <laughs> I need the big money matchup, Hook versus Sting. Whose streak will end? Uh, Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. I think Ricky Starks gets his win back here. Who y'all got? Uh, Starks gets his win. I think he gets his win back as well. Jesse? Yeah, and I'm going to go Starks here too, although the the 50-50 in some of these situations is starting to become a little WWE-esque to me, so be careful, AEW, with this with this scenario. I love both of these guys, so I would have loved to see them separated for about nine months before you revisit this and let them both just get monster pushes and put a scenario where they have to wrestle for a title. But I'll go Starks. Samoa Joe and Wardlow versus Tony Nese and Josh Woods. I'm going with the champions here, Joe and Wardlow. Jesse? Absolutely. Joe Wardlow continuing on their slightly undefeated run. Josh? 
Ah, uh, Warlow and Joe. I think that one's pretty easy. Ray Phoenix versus Jungle Boy. First time ever in AEW. This should be fucking amazing. I can't wait to see this one live. I'm going with Jungle Boy in this one. Who you got, Josh? Uh, Jungle Boy. Just for more soul momentum perspective. Uh, Phoenix doesn't really need to win at the moment. I think Jungle Boy needs it more. So I think that's just more momentum for him. Jesse? I got to agree there, too, especially after I believe he lost to Jay Lethal last week. Got to go Jungle Boy. And then finally, New York's own Eddie Kingston versus Sammy Guevara. They're finally going to complete their feud, have their matchup. Eddie has to win in New York. Uh, that's a that's a necessity. I won't take any other answer. Jesse? You have to go that way, or if there is going to be a riot in Arthur Ashe Stadium, it's probably going to be from this scenario if Sammy somehow pulls it out. Perfect spot to do it. Josh? Uh, I'm going with Kingston. As long as Kingston beats the shit out of him, I'm all for it. <laughs> Seems legit. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling news real quick. Kota Ibushi has been out of action from uh, New Japan since October of last year. He has been dealing with injuries, and there was some controversy later on when he made accusations of, against one of the company staff, and he has yet to wrestle since all of that happened. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter had a brief update noting that Ibushi is still rehabbing his shoulder. However, it's a slow process and is still unknown when he will be back and New Japan Pro Wrestling has announced an IWGP Tag Team Championship matchup of FTR versus Aussie Open for night one of New Japan Pro Wrestling Royal Quest 2 and the event happens on October 1st and 2nd. This one will be on the 1st. And then Impact Wrestling News, they got a big show next Friday, Impact Victory Road. So we'll rapid fire through these predictions as well. Tasha Steeles versus Killer Kelly. I think Killer Kelly continues her streak in Impact. Who you got, Josh? Uh, Killer Kelly. I'm going to go with her. Jesse? Let's make that unanimous. Killer Kelly's in a roll right now. Giselle Shaw will go one-on-one with Mickey James, a part of the last rodeo storyline. I think Mickey picks up another win against Giselle Shaw here. Jesse? She came out like a ball of fire two weeks ago. Mickey James is going to be the one that's... Going, get, uh, getting her upcoming get victorious here. Josh? Uh, I'm going to go with Mickey. You got Josh Alexander, Heath, and Rich Swan versus Eddie Edwards and the OGK of Honor No More. Going with Honor No More to pick up the win here ahead of Bound for Glory. Who you got, Jesse? Makes more sense, I think, to have Honor No More go over here. Who you got, Josh? Um, I'm going to go with Honor No More. We got X Division Triple Threat Revolver matchup. So it's basically going to start off as a triple threat. When a person gets pinned, they're eliminated, and a new person comes out. You got Kazarian from AEW, Kenny King of Honor No More, Laredo Kid of AAA, Alex Zane, Mia Yim, Trey Miguel, Black Taurus, and Yuri Yurimura of New Japan Pro Wrestling. The winner will become the number one contender for the X Division Championship at Bound for Glory. This is tough. I either want to go with uh, Kazarian, Kenny King, or Mia Yim here. I'll go with Kenny King to fit the theme of Honor No More getting title shots at Bound for Glory. Josh? Uh, that actually makes sense. I actually like I actually like that pick. Uh, Jesse? Let's go Contrarian here, and we'll go with Black Taurus. 
Ooh. That's a good pick. He's been killing it. <laughs> and him versus Speedball? Give me that. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the Speedball, he defends the X Division Championship against a ROH staple, former ROH booker, Delirious. Who you got in this one, Jesse? If Speedball Mike Bailey is not in the PWI 500 top 10 next year, I will be in an absolute state of shock. He's going to take that Vikingo or that Jonathan Gresham spot. So Speedball Mike Bailey here for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going for Speedball. Josh? I'm going for Speedball. I'm just glad Delirious is not booking this match. <laughs> also, good point. Oh, uh, you got pick your poison matchup. Jordan Grace will pick the hand-picked opponent of Masha Slamovich, who she faces at Bound for Glory, and she will face Max the Impaler with uh, Father James Mitchell. I think Jordan Grace gets the win here, though. Jesse? Gotta go, Jordan Grace. She's on a roll. Josh? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Grace. I don't see her losing the title. And then finally, the main event of Victory Road is going to be Sammy Callahan defending, uh, not defending anything, but in a barbed wire massacre against his two rivals, Moose and Steve Macklin. I'm going with Steve Macklin in this one. Who you got, Ooh. Josh? Uh, I don't know. This one's tough. I'm a, I'm a, I'll, I'll say I'll go with Moose. I don't know why. I'll go with Moose. Jesse? Sammy Callahan, it, this is his style of match. The other two, I'm not 100% sure. I think he's going to get wiped out at some point. So let's go Macklin. You're thinking, you're thinking on the right side of history. Sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that brings us to a close on our news rundown. Uh, very quickly, though, we started something that I think is going to be a staple of our flagship show every week. The match of the week where each of the hosts can give a gold medal, a silver medal, and a bronze medal to the best matches from this past week. To, to let the guys have more of an opportunity to think about this before they say their answers. I'll give mine first. Uh, bronze medal, I'm going to give that to Johnny Gargano versus Chad Gable from Monday Night Raw. Really strong matchup. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, the silver medal, I'm going to give that to Swerving Our Glory versus the Lucha Bros for the AEW World Tag Team titles from AEW Dynamite. And this week, my gold medal for the match of the week is going to go to the main event from AEW Dynamite, Chris Jericho versus uh, Brian Danielson. Great technical wrestling matchup and a good finish with Danielson regging back on the nose before locking in the LaBelle lock for the victory in this one. Josh, who's your? what's your match of the week? Uh, gold medal, silver medal, bronze. Uh, bronze medal, I'm going to go with Mox and Sammy. I thought like they're they're two different styles worked well together. Uh, Silver, I'm gonna go. A little, I'll go with Gargano and Gable just because it was it was nice seeing Gargano. Um, it looked like he didn't he didn't lose a step. You know that's a good thing for him. And Gold, I'm gonna go with with uh, Danielson and and Jericho. I thought they like I said earlier, their match was way better than that. It wasn't all out. And seeing this res resurgence of Chris Jericho focusing on the wrestling aspect of things, I think that's been a positive for him. Jesse, give us your gold, silver, bronze medal for match of the week. The harder one is the silver and the bronze, so I'll flip-flop yours, Sid, and I am going to go swerving our glory versus the Lucha Bros, my bronze, even though it is in my absolute wheelhouse and probably should have it silver, but Gargano and Gable, silver, just because I Johnny's back, 
nine months. Looked like he hadn't lost a step. Gable was the perfect opponent. My style of match. And then, of course, gold unanimous across the board. Danielson and Jericho. Very, very smart smartly technical from a technical piece and just also from a storytelling perspective as well they had a little more time and a lot more focus so gotta go there with the gold good choices all around at what was not the busiest week it's not like last week where we had a whole bunch of choices for you know match of the week but this week i think it, it was kind of a, a few matches stood out and was in everybody's kind of wheelhouse for this one if you want to see my full list of the top 10 best matches from last weekend labor day 2022 weekend that is up on the channel right now so go over and check that out but that's going to bring us to a close for True Hill Heat 193. Huge thanks to Jesse for being our special guest first time on the show. Please let the people know where they could follow you, what you got going on, and definitely tell them where they can listen to your great podcast doing some spectacular work, man. I appreciate you having me on. So the Twitter handle is in the corner. Jesse C. Velasquez, V-E-L-A-S-Q-U-E-Z, if you're listening in audio form. Wrestling's Unplugged and Undeniable on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you can find most of your podcasts. Wrestling, the letter U and U, also on Twitter, is the account page. I will be writing for SE Scoops beginning next week. And I believe that is everything that I have to promote from a wrestling perspective. I'll go real quick. JesseWellness.com for your fitness and nutritional needs. Online programming as well. So if, you, if you're looking to get in shape, that is definitely the way to go. Look me up there. And again, I'm very, very thankful for the time that I had in your show. I had a blast. This was awesome. And it flew, even though it says two hours and 39 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we we try our best to make it make it go smooth, and despite not having a lot of uh, wrestling news to discuss here, we still went two hours and a half because it was a great conversation. Josh, thanks for filling in this week. We appreciate you, good brother. But tell the people where they can usually find you here on the True Hill YouTube channel and your social media and your artwork. Yeah, so uh, social media you can find me at jmpunk three two one Twitter and Instagram. Um, Every you can find me every week on the Trilha Heat YouTube channel. Every Mondays, Raider Raw Superstars. Every Wednesday, Elite Heat, and then every weekend on Twitch uh, for Rampage Wrap Up, which I will be doing. I'll be doing recording after this. So, yeah, look forward to that. Yes, and that means, guys, you got more content to enjoy. So don't think the, the, the day of wrestling content is over. Jump over the twitch.tv forward slash True Hill Heat Wrestling. Josh and John will be going live in a bit with Rampage Wrap Up reviewing AEW Rampage. Until then, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. Follow the gang Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True Hill Heat. Patreon.com forward slash True Hill Heat. You got the post show. You got the True Hill Heat Prediction Championship. New Japan Pro Wrestling coverage. Joshi coverage over there. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash True Heels. Go over to True Hill Heat Sports. We got coverage later on tonight for the Canelo versus Triple Three, the Triple G Three 
fight the trilogy coming up tonight on the zone romeo will be hosting that so go over and join us over there if you're looking for content on this youtube channel check out my new interview true heels btr between the ropes with impact world tag team champion matt taven we talk about his uh transition from ring of honor to impact wrestling how he reacted to ring of honor going on hiatus what does he think about tony khan taking over uh ring of honor and what does he think about the true hill heat wrestling community who always talk shit about him we get all of that oh that was great that was great and that was deserving too by the way very deserving of them he, he, Josh is just pointing the finger at all of you. Thank you so much to all you guys. Thanks to <laughs> you, my boy Blue. Thanks to Safi. Thanks to the Negro Buck, Nick Jackson, Annika. Thank you all for joining us. Huge thanks to Jesse for being our special guest this week. We greatly appreciate it, good brother. And we'll definitely have you back on soon. For a true jaw, Josh, for filling in for Miss Chrissy Love, for Miss Chrissy Love, for the producer. It is me, it is me, your true heel phenom, SP3. This has been True Hill Heat 193 Super Feeler Party. We are signing off until next time.